Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Wessel, Presidente. You all have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world. And we welcome all of our affiliate radio stations across the United States of this great America. I tell you what, we have a jam-packed show for you today. I, the, the the sports gods must have been shining on us sports talk people this week because he just gave us an abundance of show topics, and we're going to talk about that. Obviously, one of the biggest things we're going to talk about is the NCAA scandal and uh, what it means, where it came from. Are you shocked? Are you not shocked? We're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR up at Dover, the Monster Mile today, uh, with uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest standing by, though, in our uh, balance green room. We'll get to him right here in just a second. Is Matt Hicks of 1070 The Fan and Jersey Johnny and uh, Matt Hicks Show. Uh, you can catch them on the weekends here local in Indianapolis. And then at the uh, in the second hour, Ed Kratz, our uh, NFL contributor, uh, will, will join us. Obviously, we got a lot to talk about in the NFL with protests and such. And, and we'll continue our conversation about this NCAA scandal. Uh, Rick Rickon joins us from down in Evansville. And then Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us, and we're just going to talk about betting and BS about sports and all of uh, that good jazz. My name's Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. We'll be right back. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, 
It's O Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marcus L. President. Hey, we're going to jump right into it. And I tell you what, I'm so honored to have back on The Balance with us the one, the only, the knowledgeable and expert of all knowing, Mr. Uh, the Wikipedia of sports, if you will, Mr. Matt Hicks of uh, the Jersey Johnny Matt Hicks Show, 1070 The Fan Local here. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you, Tom? Fantastic. So glad that you're able to jump back on with us. I know you haven't been on with us for a while, but I, I, I think this is a perfect weekend for us to, to all get together and talk about this and have a discussion. We've got a lot to talk about. I do want to get to the Colts. I want to get to the protests and everything, but I'll, let's start out with the biggest news of, of the century, if we will, as you, as you may have heard in my opening dialogue. The sports gods rain down on us uh, sports talk guys, and what we do is talk about sports. And He gave us a lot of content, probably Probably enough to hand uh, to take us throughout the rest of the year, uh, but the NCAA uh, and you know I, this is a very complex uh, uh, issue. And, and, and you know, here's the thing. First of all, am I shocked? No. Am I shocked? Yes. So there, there's two parts to this. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it does. I am glad. I am relieved that this has happened. But there's a lot to break down and to digest and to, and to go through it. So what we know is the FBI. Uh, did a sting, if you will, after a, a two- or three-year investigation and found out that, oh, here's a surprise, that shoe companies and coaches and colleges were uh, colluding together to get top-ranked uh uh, recruits to go to their school and paying big money for it. At the end of the day, it's a pay-for-play uh, type thing, which let's just call it cheating. It is what it is. What are your thoughts? What are your takeaways from this, let's break this down. Well, it's um, it's one of those little dirty little secrets of college that, right. I mean, I suppose 
I don't know that anybody knew it was the shoe company that was necessarily supplying the dough. We always assumed it was boosters or, or different things like that. I mean, the joke was, you know, of course, you know, uh, what's the, the, the joke about Kentucky basketball that they have a payroll similar to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you know, silly things <laughs> right, like that. Right, right. You, you joke about, so you know there's some underlying of, of suspicion at the very least there. Uh, but to get it all confirmed like this, and by the way, I do believe there are clean programs out there. I really sure. do. Uh, They're called but, mid-major. Um, well, but not, not just mid-major. <laughs> I think there are some large programs that are clean too, though. I, I really do. I think, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't remember who wrote it. But it may have been Greg Doyle. I, I don't remember who did, but about Notre Dame. I, I, I believe they're clean, and if I'm proven wrong, well, then I'll be wrong, but Right. I'm sure there are some some large programs that are clean, but regardless, I it's a shame that we weren't more surprised about this. I think that's what's most disappointing. You know, if we weren't surprised, then why hadn't something been done earlier? Where we, I, I almost look at it in a way different, definitely apples and oranges. But when the steroid controversy erupted in baseball. We all right. kind of knew something was going down. We would joke about it, that sort of thing. We would kind of turn a blind eye. And then when it finally came out, there was this sudden movement to clean it up. And I, and I wonder why Why now? Why not sooner? I guess is the real question I have. But, uh, you know, this will fix college basketball. It's going to be tough here. And I don't think we're done hearing news. I really don't. I think as time goes on, you're going to hear a little bit more. And my guess is one of these, if it's not Patino, somebody else, one of these head coaches at these, at these universities are going to have somehow they're going to be implicated, or at least it's going to come out that they had some sort of knowledge about that this was taking place. And I think that's when the real, um, the real headlines start then. Well, we're talking uh, with uh, Matt Hicks of 1070 The Fan, local here in Indianapolis. I know we're all over the nation. But, I, you know, acting U.S. Uh, attorney uh, June Kim uh, said the FBI and prosecutors set out to investigate the dark underbelly of college basketball. Here's the thing where I say I'm not shocked. As you just mentioned, we all kind of have known that this has been going on. I think a lot of people have even been saying these shoe companies are way more involved uh, than what you may think, especially now they're actually sponsoring schools. Like As we say, air quotes, Indiana is an Adidas school, or uh, well, Purdue, right, I believe, right. is an Under Armour school. So we knew that it was going on. And here's, here's kind of my thought pattern, and I'm not making any justification to this at all. So, so let me make that very, very clear. But what I am saying is that we can track things like this uh, going on for history. As long as things are illegal or wrong, there are going to be ways to get around it. And we look at prohibition. Uh, I mean, prohibition was useless because everybody was drinking in the United States and everybody knew it. But, hey, when the big uh, bus came down with Al Capone, he didn't go to jail for uh, – he did not go to jail for uh, uh, distributing booze. What he went to jail for was tax evasion. But nonetheless, nonetheless, what I'm saying is this is just a – a, what we've known has been going on for a long time. We've had our heads in the sands like, hey, you know, but I don't know that I really, I guess 
from my standpoint, Matt, I don't know that I really cared if a college student at Louisville was riding around town with a Land Rover or, or how he got to that school. But I always knew there was a there was there was a reason why all the big schools, why all the big programs, and, and let's just put the magnifying glass on Rick Pitino. He is no saint, and uh, he, he tried to, to do the same thing as we know now. He is coach number two. Uh, he he's tried to do the same thing this time around that he did with the prostitutes. You know what? Now I'll even give him the benefit of the doubt. He may not have known about the prostitutes because that was just stupid. They had it on campus. They had it in in, in areas where where. It would, it would have just been blatantly obvious. So I think if he had known, if he had known and he had been a part of it, he would have said, let's just do this in a different way. But that, but nonetheless, what he should have done is say to his staff, okay, we got by with this. We can't we can't get in trouble anymore, guys. So so walk the line. So he had to should have at least done that. I don't. I obviously clearly know that he had something to do with this, uh, as as far as taking money and a hundred and twenty some odd thousand dollars for this uh, Bowman kid. It is ridiculous. We've known this has been going on for a long time. I think a, a couple things here. The good, the positives of this is with the FBI opening up the using their power of subpoena if you will Matt they've been able to do things the NCAA, NCAA has never been able to do and i think we're just we're just seeing the beginning of the dominoes to fall go ahead i'm sorry no no i, I think i think you're right and uh, i think you're absolutely right and as 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 time goes on i think you're going to see well i don't know how many programs are implicated right now the 4 or 5 or whatever it is I think you'll see a few more added. And like I said, um, these coaches are very smart men, and they may never find anything that directly ties Patino or I know Arizona, Sean Miller, or, uh, um, you know, down at Auburn, uh, others. They may never find anything, but I'm sure somewhere, somehow, one of these guys has slipped up and mentioned this either in an email or a memo, something. And that's my hunch that, one of these guys gets implicated or tied directly to it. And I, and I think that's when um, you can't deny it anymore. If there's, if there's hard evidence and my guess is for one of these programs, if this was as rampant as we are led to believe it is, I have a feeling that it will come out that, that somebody, one of these head coaches knew exactly what was going on. Well, you know, I don't always uh, – I, well, I, I listen to a lot of shows, but I don't always listen to Dan Dockage on your network there. And I have had an opportunity to listen to him this week, and he's been on a roll. But you know what? I don't blame him. I, I mean, if you listen to his show and you know Dan, Dan is Dan is Dan, and he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. But what he thinks, I think, is dead on. And, 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 and the fact that he, he, he talked about – uh, for example, former Pacer uh, Chuck Pearson, I believe he he actually used the word human trafficking, and that he also said that if I use involved in this, he will go full force nationally to to uh, expose IU in every way he can. Not that he's bitter against IU, but as he made a, as a made a very valid point, this is personal to him. I get it. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, you know, there's a guy there that that goes into Indiana and kind of is tasked with cleaning up what the mess was that was left uh, when he was the interim coach and did a fabulous job there and doing that. And uh, uh, you you talk about 
large programs that are clean. I have to believe that Indiana's clean. Uh, yeah. We'll find out if they're not. I mean, that's the the FBI doesn't mess around. I mean, you know, so if they're not, we'll we'll hear about it, obviously. Um, but you know, that's one there that I have to believe is clean as well. I mean, I'm sure there are several. My hope in all this is far more of these programs are clean than not. I hope this is a select few that we're trying to get an edge through whatever shoe company. Um, but uh, this obviously needs to stop. Um, and I think, obviously it will at this point, because anytime you get caught cheating, people have to find a different way to circumvent the rules. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think, I, I think that this will clean it up considerably, but it, it, it's, it's got to stop. If college athletics is going to truly be an amateur sport, which it is, and I don't want to really get into all that about pay and all that stuff, but if it's going to be an amateur sport, the guys can't be paid by shoe companies, obviously. And uh, perhaps another side of this is to fix the, the issue with the NBA and let these kids go straight out of high school if they want to, uh, because I think that's contributed somewhat to this yeah. problem. I don't, I don't want to say that that's the problem, because it, listen, as far as we know, it's been going on for a long time. We don't know how long this has been going on. So, um, but I think that would also help. Uh, just let them go to the NBA if they want to. Let's not have a farce about going to school for a year and then going. Well, we're talking with Matt Hicks of 1070 The Fan Local here in Indianapolis, where we uh, flagship from in the great city of Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, on uh, 1070 The Fan uh, from the Jersey Johnny and uh, Matt Hicks show on, on the weekends. And, you know, let's do bring it back local just a little bit here. Archie Miller did in his presser in Media Day at, at IU uh, said that uh, he doesn't think that Indiana University, after several meetings with his coaches and with uh, Fred Glass, that that there is at all any indication that we're involved at this point. Now, that left a window, a small window, for uh, us people to keep talking about this and keep dissecting it. He said, right now, does that mean, was that deliberate? Or was that just, this, um, this is what I know? I, I think that's, I mean, I have to assume that's what he knows. I, I have to assume that's what he knows. Because remember, he's only been there for what? Right. Has it even been six months? So he still obviously has assembled his new staff. I, did he, I'm not even sure. I think there's only like one guy he kept. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's obviously a complete, re- relatively completely new staff. So um, I think that's, that's a simple statement as far as we know. And, again, I think that's just semantics. I, I, I do believe I just can't imagine Tom Crean's caught up in this. It, it would really surprise me, but at the same time, I, I suppose I, I would be naive if I was shocked that anybody was involved in this because it was uh, the shoe companies that were kind of the driving force for what we're led to believe, at least. Well, the, the what I can say is his brother, uh, Archie Miller's brother, uh, uh, Ryan, uh, uh, Sean Miller, I'm Sean. sorry, uh, yeah. yeah, assistant coaches there, I use an Adidas, Adidas school, so I, I'll watch it carefully, and I'm hoping and fingers crossed that Archie's great. I, I think he's a great coach. I think everything's going in the right direction. What we know, Matt, is four assistant coaches accused of taking bribes between $13,000 and $100,000 to convince uh, 
players to hire uh, Dawkins and other advisors or runners, if you will. Again, Chuck Pearson of Auburn, uh, LeBon Evans of Oklahoma State, uh, can we say Bruce Pearl, uh, University of Emmanuel Richardson and University of Arizona, and Anthony Bland, University of Southern California. All of those coaches are now going to be singing a song. They're going to be singing a deep song. They're going to be the barbershop quartet. These guys don't want to go to jail. They don't want to go no. to jail. So we'll see. We'll see how it, it pans out. We only got a limited time here, so I did want to open up the doors for conversation on that, and we'll continue this conversation uh, later mm-hmm. in the show. But I want to talk some Colts. I want to talk some protests, and then uh, it, you know we 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 got just a little bit of time left here. Matt, the Indianapolis Colts take on the Seattle Seahawks. Oh man, you talk about going into the Lions dens. It's like, hey, it's fun. We want to we want to get this game over with. Let's get it done and let's get it over with. Uh, but maybe it's not as bad as we're as we're expecting. But uh, this is going to be a tough game up in Seattle. Uh, you know, Chuck Pagano actually uh, said in his presser, "I apologize to all the neighbors, but we had to do this." He, <laughs> meaning that he he blasted the uh, uh, the uh, music and, and and audience level for practice this week because it's no joke. It, it actually moves the Richter scale. I've heard up there in no, Seattle. No, no, you can. I, I remember. I think it was it was their first. It was the year. That I, Listen to me. I sound like uh, I, I can't think of a year of this. But they were eight and eight, and they went to the playoffs. And they actually they because they won their division, they hosted. And Marshawn Lynch, either in overtime or at the end of the fourth quarter, ran a touchdown to win the game essentially. And the camera was shaking, like it it was shaking because the the noise was so loud. So uh, you're right. It's a terrible, terribly hard place to play. Most road games are, but there's there there one is that's a uh, uh, incredibly difficult. That being said, they're not very good, and I, I don't. I mean, I just don't see it in Seattle that we've seen that same defense um, as in previous years. Brissett is improving. I, I, I know I'm accused often of, of being a little too optimistic and a little too um, homerish, if you will. I'm not saying the Colts are going to go over there and win, but I think they're going to give Seattle all they'd like on Sunday night, especially prime time. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is, is a, as I said, uh, kind of continuing to get used to being in this offense. I have a, I have a good feeling it's going to be a ball game. I'm not calling for a Colts win, but I think there's going to be some, some moments where you think if, if they had gone another way, it could have easily been a Colts win. I, I think this is going to be close. I, I really do. Well, uh, I, I think they'll cover the spread, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but I think they'll yeah, definitely easily, cover the spread. Yeah, I agree. G.Y. Hilton, does, does he show up? Last time he he totally embarrassed Sherman, uh, but of course he had luck. Yeah. But does T.Y. Hilton show up two weeks in a row? They seem to – Brissett and Luck – excuse me, Brissett and Hilton – <laughs> seem to have found a little chemistry. Uh, they seem to have found a little chemistry. So I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think he shows up, and I think that uh, Moncrief shows up a little bit too. Jack Doyle probably had his worst game as a pro last week. Yeah, I think he shows bad. up, especially against that secondary. He will he will be a weapon. Um, the Colts ran the ball last week. Again, we're talking about Cleveland, so it's like you know you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But the Colts ran the ball really well in the first half and then couldn't find a way to get a yard in the second half. So I'd uh, be curious to see. 
Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you're absolutely right. That That's one of the things that disturbed me most about the Colts this year is they're finding a way to get they, – they, they did the same thing with Arizona and then with Cleveland, and then they almost they – almost, they wanted to – it looked like they were trying to lose that damn game against Cleveland. I, I, I don't get it. They can't close the deal, and I don't understand what's going on there uh, when it comes to the second half. So go ahead. Well, very young team, very young team, and, and you learn every time that happens, you learn from it one way or the other. Hopefully, you don't find yourself in the same position um, uh, uh, like like they were against Cleveland. They, they have um, under this coaching staff, under Chuck Pagano, I should say, because the staff's relatively flipped over a couple times. Uh, they have found themselves with that issue um, allowing a uh, kickoff return to lose the game to Jacksonville that they should have won, allowing um, uh, Houston last year essentially to win the division uh, in the fourth quarter, um, blowing that game in Houston. So, I mean, they they found themselves in that spot. Um, so the players – sometimes the players have to just overcome that. Um, they get very conservative in the second half. and there's, I mean, listen, there's no other way to cut it. They get very conservative in the second half. And I think it's funny because, you know, Jim Caldwell just got an extension in Detroit. And I, and I think we right. always kind of say, well, you know, like when he was here, you were always frustrated. Everybody was always frustrated with Jim Caldwell. But there was one thing I really liked about his style is that he was, he was appropriately aggressive at the end of the first half during the regular season. He was, he was, you know, if it was ridiculous, like if they were on the nine-yard line, they'd take a knee. But if they were at all with a minute or so to score, they would not be conservative. They'd try to go get a field goal out of it. And I love that style, except he abandoned it in one game, the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like, why did you do it then? <laughs> that, that, that one time, right, right. right so we're talking right. with Matt. We're talking with Matt Hicks, ten seventy. The fan. A few more minutes here. Uh, the protests. I mean, that's that's huge. Now, uh, used to that we could sit back and say the Colts aren't necessarily affected by all the distractions, and I, I, yeah. I don't want to get into the politics of it. Obviously, politics and and sports collided head on, and in in there that may have been by design, but that's for another show and a different topic. But the, the point is, I feel like. I don't agree. I, I, I would say that I'm not one of these people that would ever take a knee, and I think that's very, very offensive to the flag, so I will say that in, in, all, in all truthfulness, that's my opinion. <clears throat> However, yeah. I do believe that, that, that there is a – you have the right to express your opinion and, and to do so. I think uh, Jerry Jones did a mo- moderate compromise, if you will, mm-hmm. on Sunday uh, – la- la- last Sunday night, and that is that everybody nailed and then everybody stood – uh, for the national anthem, again uh, on Monday night, compromise I'll take and I'll accept. At least everybody stood, even though they were still showing some uh, un- unity. I think that the national anthem does provide unity. I think this is story will hopefully soon die out. I think it's really hurting the NFL, and it's not helping yeah. the cause. And I don't even know if we know what the cause anymore is anymore because. What everybody's talking about is has nothing to do with uh, Colin Kilpatrick 
And he, he ended his protest. He ended his protest, and he said that he supports the police now. So it, it's not about police brutality. Uh, now they're making it about racism, which was never about what Colin Kilpatrick is. Yes, that's what is opening up the, di- the discussion for dialogue, and there are proper times and proper places. But I don't think the football field is that place, and I don't think that these guys should be using their platform to make that message, but that's just me. Go ahead, Matt. What are your thoughts on all this protest well, in the know, NFL? Yeah. I'm, 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 I, it's a very complicated issue, as you said, and I, and I would agree. And um, I, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth because, and that's, I think that's this issue is kind of uh, requires that a little bit. On one hand, I agree. I don't think the national anthem at that moment is the proper venue to protest. However, when is the proper venue for a backup defensive back to protest? He's not a guy that's going to get talked to by the media after the game and and if he does start talking about things that he's worried about civically or politically people are just going to walk away they're not going to continue listening so i i'm torn there um it, again it's not my style to protest during the national anthem and it means too much to me um but i you know it, it's it is it's a it's a very complicated issue i think you made a couple of very good points that i'm not sure everybody knows exactly what they're protesting I mean, we've heard it this last week. Some people said they were protesting the president of the United States. Some people said they were protesting the original issue that Colin Kaepernick brought up and others, by the way. I think he kind of becomes the leader of this because he was the most high profile. He was a, by the way, at the time, a backup quarterback for the 49ers. A lot of people get that confused that he was benched because he started protesting. No, he was already a backup at that point to Blaine Gabbert. Um, but it is a very com- complicated issue. And I am with you. I would prefer this to go away, not from a sense the issue goes away, because the issue is valid and needs to be discussed. I'm talking about the original issue that, that was the original impetus for the protest. But just from the simple fact that the NFL, boy, they made a lot of people angry last week. And uh, I think we're seeing that as we hear ratings during for the game itself. We're down 20% on Sunday. Now, everybody watched the pregame show to see what everybody was going to do. But once they saw that, a lot of people turned it off. And you've seen, obviously, the, the squeaky wheels, if you will, with the jersey burnings and ticket burnings and all yeah. that stuff. But I think the NFL has a little bit of a PR problem, and they'll fix it. It's still a very popular sport. And uh, they, they'll, they'll, they'll take care of it. I'm not predicting the demise of the NFL or anything like that. But <laughs> I, do think that uh, I do think that they've got a little PR uh, snafu here that needs to, uh, that needs to be corrected. Uh, but at the same time, they need to keep the issue front and center. And I think it's an important issue that we all need to discuss and, and, um, and find, work towards a solution towards, because obviously it's not a quick fix. Absolutely. Matt Hicks of 1070 The Fan, local here in Indianapolis, jumping online, talking with us about this big scandal with the NCAA coaches, the Indianapolis Colts, and a little bit of protest uh, talk, if you will. You can catch him and Jersey Johnny here local on 1070 The Fan or online. But what are you guys working on this weekend? Well, we'll preview uh, tomorrow. We're on from 10 to noon on Sunday. Uh, We'll preview the Seattle game with the Colts. We'll talk a little Pacers training camp with Mark Bonte. We'll uh, talk Colts with 
Tom James, and then whatever else happens between now and then, we'll, we'll have it covered, <laughs> college football and the like. You'll you'll have you'll have your ear to it. All right, Matt, we appreciate you right. joining us. We appreciate your thoughts, and we look forward to having you on again. You have yourself a good weekend, sir. Hey, hey, you too. Thank you. Thanks. Matt Hicks, 1070 The Fan, local here in Indianapolis. So glad that he took some time to jump on with us and talk with us a little bit about what's going on with the NCAA, the coaches, and this big scandal that that we have. And we're going to continue that in the next hour. Standing by in our, our balanced green room, though, is Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. It's the Monster Mile. It's NASCAR. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. 
Thanks to Matt Hicks, local 1070 here, uh, the fan. You can catch them on uh, 1070, the fan, Jersey Johnny and Matt Hicks show. You can catch them every Sunday afternoon, and, and they talk about Colts, pretty much whatever's going on here in Indianapolis. But uh, certainly they uh, talk about some of the national stuff. I'm sure they'll be talking. What He talked with us about in this big scandal with the NCAA. But joining us now to talk some NASCAR, uh, we've got IndyCar out of the way, so we're, we're just totally dedicated to NASCAR uh, now. Uh, Matt, uh, I'm sorry, Steve Wilson, uh, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest. How is you, sir? Well, I'm doing not too bad today at all. So it's a new day, We're, and you it's, know, it's a cut off weekend. It's over. <laughs> what uh, what could possibly be going on in NASCAR, right? Uh, the monster mile above all places uh, for uh, it to be. You know, I wanted to just real quickly get your thoughts on the protests because uh, I know that, uh, and the reason why I bring this up is because, unfortunately, uh, politics and sports had a head-on collision, uh, and our president caused that to happen. And, I'm, again, I, I think a lot of people that know me personally know my sides on this, but that said, uh President Trump applauded NASCAR for their stance on the uh, the protest, and I do too. Uh, but at the same time, what are your thoughts about NASCAR saying to maybe there are not that I know of, there may not be any that I know of. It's probably a non-issue. But what are your thoughts about President Trump? I mean, in the comments and uh, the protest. And NASCAR saying, and a lot of team owners saying that if you're going to protest, you might as well not even get in the car. Is that a little too far for NASCAR to say what you can and cannot do during the national anthem? Now, that said, that said, I am totally 100% in agreement with President Trump and NASCAR owners, but I'm just taking the devil's advocate. So go ahead. Well, you know, I... I I said earlier this week, I think it was an excellent opportunity in the fact that, you know, NASCAR and everybody in NASCAR could have used this opportunity to promote really all of their good work that they do for the military, for, you know, all the things that they do and bringing the people to the track, uh, you know, uh, all their initiatives and things of that nature and especially their diversity program is uh, that they've been working with over the past nearly decade or more now to uh you know bring many different youth uh college students and uh drivers you know into the sport and i i think it was an opportunity for them to do so you know for for the for the for the team owners you know, it's it, it. You know, they have every right to go out there and say what they did. And you know, Dale, Dale Jr. I think got some slack for for saying what he did. And he went on his podcast and reinforced his statements. And yesterday there were four questions in, in that regard of what he put on Twitter. And uh you know it's one of those things where you know everybody has the right to say what they want to say Dale Jr is a very powerful person in the sport and Brad Keselowski seemed to come out on the on a different side of this and Brad Keselowski has been known for for many many years to support the military support military initiatives 
and uh, support many different diversity, you know, initiatives within NASCAR and, and outside of NASCAR, and runs the Checker Flag Foundation, which is, you know, very supportive of the military. So, you know, it's a compare and contrast between, you know, many different people within the sport. And I think you also see that with, you know, with Richard Chosen, you see that with uh, Richard Petty, too, with, you know, some of the things that they do within the sport. Uh, Richard Petty is, you know, back in the 19, you know, 1960s, and, uh, you know, he was very forthcoming and one of the first owners in the sport or one of the first drivers in the sport at the time to help Wendell Scott uh, when many other owners uh, would not and many other drivers would not help Wendell Scott, one of the first African-Americans to really make a name for themselves and drive in the sport, um, you know, during a segregated South. Uh, we also had, you know, Richard uh, Richard Childress, who is, you know, very, you know, uh, you know, very, very much, you know, he's very patriotic. He, he makes that very well known. And I, and I think he, you know, these owners that are going out there and, sticking themselves and inserting these comments out there. You know, everybody has the right to say what they want to say, and I think we see just a lot of compare and contrast into this, in these aspects of, I, th- I think that, you know, you know, you, you need to do it not on company time. If you want to do something on personal time, I think there's a time and a place for it all, and I think that's where they're centering their comments around it. Don't go on national television. Don't embarrass, you know, the sport. Don't embarrass them as a car owner or as a as a you know organizational owner, and don't you know embarrass the the sponsors. You know the NFL and the NBA, and you know I know Adam Silver came out this week and says everybody's going to stand, and you know I'm going to have to applaud him for that. Uh, but you know the the. NASCAR is a little bit different in this aspect. Every car is very much sponsored uh, by multiple organizations, and you know they they have to, you know, make sure that they're, you know, taking care of their sponsors, and they don't want to really get into the middle of a whole lot of you know uh, of what's going on. So I think they're they're just making sure that they're protecting themselves, they're protecting their sponsors, they're protecting the sport all at the same time. And I think by them saying this, they're they're making that effort to do so. And they're not trying to say, don't do it on your personal time. They're just saying, don't do it, you know, on national television while millions of people are tuned in, while sponsors are tuned in, you know, while we've got representatives at the track because, you know, these, these are things that we're heavily reliant on and, you know, not only – could you potentially suffer by losing your, your seat in a race car? But, you know, there's other people to think about, you know, there's people in the shop, there's, there's, you know, me as a car owner, there's other people that, you know, depend on, you know, all these working parts and pieces. Well, it's cut out. And, and I appreciate that. You're absolutely right. And I, I know this is, uh, isn't your forte. And, you know, I will say this about NASCAR fans. I, it, it's kind of the base 
of Donald Trump, but at the same time, I, I, I don't know a more patriotic group. You call them what you want, but I do, and I know a lot of NASCAR fans, myself included. I don't know a more patriotic group uh, that I would say united together for the flag and for this country than in patriotism and what they do for the military. I don't know any organization or any sporting outlet that uh, is so dedicated to that cause. So, you know, I applaud NASCAR and everything that they do, that they uh, that they do. Well, let's get into the Monster Mile. It's cut off weekend. They don't call it the Monster Mile for nothing. Uh, was a cutoff weekend designed to be at the Monster Mile, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I think the Monster Mile is a perfect place to really cut the first round off because when you think about it, this track over the last couple of years, you know, there, there's a lot of things can go wrong really quickly out there. It really just takes one car to step out of line, spin out, coming out of these corners. And they've narrowed the track out there since the safer barriers have been put in place. And you can cause a major major pileup by just one or two cars spinning out in one of these corners out there. And this can cause, you know, a, a, a six or eight car pileup very, very quickly. They run very, very fast around this place. Um there's not a whole lot there. There's some breaking around there, but there's not a whole lot of breaking that goes on because it's a very, very fast high bank uh, one mile racetrack. So it gives them a lot of speed coming off of those corners. And this is where you don't get an opportunity to get slowed up fast enough sometimes. And you can get caught up in somebody else's accident very, very quickly. So you can also be lapping the field and some of these, um, you know, these these drivers at the back of the field, and they can make a mistake. You can get caught up in theirs. And the front, you know, leaders can be tied up into this, and we've seen this before happen over and over again. So I think it's a perfect place, you know, at the end of the day because, you know, it, it throws a lot of different um, – a lot of different um, – you know, moving parts and pieces into this strategy can come into play here at the Monster Mile. You know, there's 400 laps out there, and they're going to bring a new t- – where they're going to bring the Darlington tire out there, which uh, on concrete, hopefully it's going to wear a little bit differently this time. Uh, it's got a little bit different tread zone, which will uh, put, a, a you know, more grip on the tire versus what they've brought in the past. So, uh, I, I'm just hoping that the wear factor will come into play, which will move these cars a little bit around the track uh, more than we've seen in recent years. Well, I tell you what, each track has its own uh, entity, if you will, or its own identification. And there in Dover, Delaware, uh, to greet as you come in the track is a big stone monster holding a NASCAR. I think it's classic. I think it's great because here's what happens. Uh at Dover, we talk we, we we talk about a lot of different tracks. We talk about Martinsville. We talk about uh, Richmond, and we talk about a lot of tracks where there's a lot of action. But I tell you what, if there's one place where you can get get sideways real quickly, if there's one place where your whole season can fall apart, it's at Dover. And uh, and we saw that this week uh, with Dale Jr. and he was hit with a practice penalty. Talk with us a little bit about that. Um, he was, 
Uh, I missed that one, actually. <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I missed that one, actually. Hey, you threw a monkey wrench into me on that one. Well, I, I try to keep uh, track of, like, the different uh, breaking news and, and tweets. Uh, uh, it says, uh, Dale, Her- Dale Earnhardt Jr. expressed his displeasure with NASCAR subjecting drivers to timeout during practice when teams uh, fail the inspection process through the, out- the race weekend. The sanctioning body uh, punishes the driver by docking practice time, but that's not all. Oh, I, uh, I probably well, I, I, I said I said I said my question wrong. I'm sorry. I threw myself in through the lug wrench there. My fault. You're 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 totally innocent of all charges there, Steve. <laughs> my fault. I read the I read my question wrong to you. Go ahead. I am so sorry. I think you know what I'm talking about now. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, so um, you know, last week, you know, the, there was there was an issue with Joey Logano where he he drew a penalty and he was forced to sit on pit road for the entire practice session. So in response to that, Dale Jr. kind of went and took to social media on saying how that was an embarrassment that, you know, a car would have to sit out there. And so through some various other tweets back and forth, the response back was, is that, you know, NASCAR is officially saying that they didn't want the team to be able to touch the car, so therefore they felt that the only way to do so was if they could have that car sit on pit road the entire time. So, But apparently this really drew some large audience attention because it was on nationally live television. People were questioning this on social media. And this is what really stoked, I guess, a larger fire with, you know, Dale, Dale Jr. And as I said previously, you know, he's, he's a rather large personality in general that, you know, can, you know, can take a story and run with it to, to some degree. And people are going to listen in and they're going to listen into his, his thoughts and ideas on this. So, you know, they're, they're, his idea was, we'll just park him in the garage and assign a, you know, an official. Well, you know, the the problem with this is is that in in NASCAR's defense here, and I'm I'm just trying to play devil advocate here for a minute, is is that you know NASCAR is not um with the recent advent in the last couple of years of the camera system and the pro trailer, which is keeping up technologically wise with these cars on pit road and what they're doing and et cetera, they are not sending as many officials to the track. So the officials that are going to the track now have multiple jobs where previously they would send, <clears throat> excuse me, a crew that would just do inspection and one that would work in the, on the pit road. And then another crew that would work somewhere else. And, you know, they had a lot of officials there that they could pull an official somewhere and, you know, do, do that types of, you know, do these types of things. Now NASCAR is not bringing as many officials to the track. So these officials now have many different jobs. So these, these officials are doing inspection. They're having to watch these cars on the racetrack during practice. They're having to watch these cars in the garage. So they're spreading these officials around and bringing less personnel and using more technology to do the same job. So to assign an official out there just to watch one singular car 
um, it is, you know, very hard on them because they're taking, you know, a manned personnel and having to basically make sure that the team isn't touching it. So they, they're, they're putting it out on pit road. They put the car out on pit road and they're letting the technology and camera system make sure that nobody's touching that car is what they've, that what they've done. And, you know, to some degree, you know, Dale Jr. disagreed with this. He he felt that, you know, this this wasn't the right way to do it and they should have just parked the car in the garage. And, you know, is there going to be a change to this? I'm not sure because this is really the first time we've seen this happen. Normally, you know, it's been a, you know, they'll get a 10-minute or a 15-minute or a 30-minute practice hold, whatever the case may be, depending on how many times that they either failed tech or, you know, uh, their penalty level or from the previous week. Um or, you know, whatever might have gone on, lug nuts, suspensions of crew chiefs, et cetera. So um, we've not seen, and this is the first time we've seen them park a car on pay road, and if, if there's going to be a change into the way that the rules are, are going to be applied, then I think this was probably something that is going to stoke and bring up a good discussion on how this will be handled into the future of how do we handle cars that, you know, don't get to go out and practice at all. And I think it is a good discussion to have on how that they want to handle this into the future. Because do I feel that you need to have a car sitting on pit road, on active live pit road? No, particularly I don't. I think that's a dangerous situation because there is it's a hot pit road. It just takes one car to get out of control and damage another car, and they have to go to back up. And, you know, then, then what's the re- repercussions and ramifications of that? The team is going to really ask NASCAR to say, I want to keep my, I'm going to want to keep my position because, you know, it wasn't my fault. You know, you said I had to sit out there, but, you know, I didn't cause the wreck, you know, et cetera. So I think it does come into a larger discussion. Is he right in some accounts? Yes. And I think NASCAR is right in some accounts. So I don't think there's a right or wrong into this. I just think it's a larger conversation needs to be had at the end of the day. Absolutely. Steve Wilson, uh, editor and publisher of uh, Speedway Digest. Check them out. i tell you what, they are the leading expert in NASCAR. Well, you know, on the eve of elimination, if you will, uh, cutoff weekend, as as we said at the opening here, uh, is that Monster Meyer, Meyer, Monster Mile. Uh, it reminds me, i got to go to Meyer later. But uh, <laughs> uh, to... Um, we really, uh, I think, in a lot of ways, it, it, uh, Dover uh, kind of puts a handicap, if you will, uh, on bottom feeders. And I don't mean that bad. I just mean that certainly the Monster Mile is one of the most challenging venues, as we know, a, a, to stage a comeback, particularly when uh, you don't know what happens at, at every turn. Anything can happen at each turn. And, and, and I don't know who stands the best sh- shot, if you will, of advancing to round two after Sunday's Apache Warrior 400, which, by the way, I love that sponsorship. I wanted to throw that in there. Ricky Steinhouse Jr. sits at 105 points behind uh, leader Martin Truex Jr. I would not totally would not rule him out at all. Austin Dillon is tied with Steinhouse in points. However, Steinhouse has 10 pl- uh, playoff points with two wins uh, for the season. you got Ryan Newman, who is currently one point behind Steinhouse and Dillon. Dylan with five playoff points in the kitty. You got uh, Kurt Busch. Busch had a mysterious vibration. I hate it when that happens. At Chicago Land. Um, and then you've got Casey Kane. 
after a rear suspension failure on Kane's car in London. Uh, his only path to redemption uh, would be a Hail Mary uh, type of, of move uh, from crew chief uh, Darren Grubb. So uh, we look at the Monster Mile. We look at the, I say bottom feeders. That's probably the wrong word. But the people that are trying to get into round two, what, do you, what are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think right here at this point, for 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 discussion purposes, you know, Casey Kane is really going to have to have a hail mary this weekend out there. His his weekend last week just really just damaged his his opportunity to really move on. He's going to have to almost be in a win situation this week, like Kevin Harvick was a couple of years ago coming into to Dover. I don't see any way around it for him. Um, there's a lot of strong teams, the Toyotas out there, Jimmy Johnson, et cetera, and he's just going to have to get around them. He's going to have to pass them, and he's pretty much going to have to win this thing to get out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I've, I've got something going on today. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, as far as Kurt Busch, Ryan Newman, and Austin Dillon, I mean, they're so close that, you know, potentially that, you know, I, I think a couple of positions here or there, uh, uh, depending on how Ricky Stenhouse and, you know, Jamie McMurray, Mur- Jam- uh, blah. Jamie McMurray do throughout the day, I think, you know, those, those have the potential somewhere um, to shift points around, and I think that's where we're looking at right at this point. As far as everybody sitting up front, um, you know, they're, they're pretty much good. Top four is already good. Um, there's not going to be a lot of movement around them. The middle of the pack, I think, you know, there, there's not going to be but a whole lot. I think we're just looking today to see, you know, where, you know, Denny Hamlin, Kenseth Johnson, Blaney, and Elliott kind of, you know, shake out at the end of the day. Kevin Harvick is most likely a lock-in at this point. He's kind of sitting there skimming along, but, you know, he's pretty much a lock-in provided that, you know, he doesn't crash out on, you know, lap one, and I'm hoping that I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying I hope it doesn't happen, but, you know, it, it, it just really just at this point, it just comes out from 11th on back, you know, and that's, that's where we're really looking for today. And, um, you know, but there's some people that I, I, I just don't see their path forward I, I, going today. And there, there's just no way, um, unfortunately. And that's just how this new, the playoff system, since they've implemented this, um, this cutoff and um, somebody's going to have to go and um, that's just how it's going to work. And I, 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 like I said, Casey Kane, he's gone. I see Ryan Newman gone. Um, Kurt Busch. uh, Yeah. I I think he's gone too potentially. Um, And I, I, I don't know. I, I I think we're going to, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm too, I'm skeptical on, you know, Stenhouse and Austin Dillon and McMurray. I, I think those three potentially, maybe Newman, I don't know. I think those four maybe uh, where we're going to watch throughout the remainder. Well, I don't know. Maybe Kerr Bush, you know, he's got a strong car. He has an opportunity. Like I said, you know, these are some of the potentials that I think we're just going to have to watch all day long and see where they shake out because there's just too much going on. They're too close together at this point, and there's just a lot of madness and craziness that can really wreak havoc throughout the day. Absolutely. Well, Steve Wilson, we appreciate you joining us. We've got a jam-packed show today, and uh, we will certainly catch up with you next week. Uh, Where can people find your work, your masterpieces, and uh, your thoughts? And who wins Dover, by the way? 
Uh, well, I mean, Toyota's been just, you know, crushing everything out there. You know, I, I think Jeremy Johnson takes it takes it again today. I mean, he won in the spring. He's somebody that can just go out there and doesn't care, you know, whether it's Toyota or whoever. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be the guy. Jeremy Johnson winning today in the Apache – I mean, tomorrow in the Apache 400, Warrior 400. All right, Steve Wilson, we appreciate you joining us, as always, uh, bringing us uh, up to speed with NASCAR and uh, certainly uh, cutoff weekend. We'll be keeping our eyes on it. Make sure you guys follow Speedway Digest with all the real-time action of Dover this weekend. Steve, you have yourself a good weekend, sir. Thanks a lot. You take care. Thanks. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest, joins us uh, for our normal, and he's our official uh, NASCAR contributor. Guys, we're going to continue this conversation. Coming up next is uh, we, we're going to get into the NFL talk. We're going to start the second hour with the NFL talk, college football with Rick Riggin. we got Walt Ferber, Rick Riggin, and Ed Kraft all standing by in the balanced gr- uh, green room. My name's Tom Marcus El Presidente. We'll be right back. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. One hour in the books. Thanks to Matt Hicks, 1070 The Fan, local here in Indianapolis from the Jersey Johnny Matt Hicks Show. You can catch them every Sunday afternoon. And uh, they'll be talking Colts, Seattle, but he jumped online also to talk a little bit of this NCAA scandal uh, going on. And, of course, the Colts-Seattle game. And we're going to get into that that big time with Ed Kratz, our uh, our official contributor, uh, NFL contributor. Rick Riggin is standing by also. So uh, we're going to get into some college football talk. But I tell you what, the biggest news of the world, if you heard my opening dialogue this morning, the sports gods opened up the floodgates to people like us to talk about, gave us show content for the next 
century, if you will. And I really wanted to to bring on Walt Ferber, uh, and we're going to him first. And I know you're with us, Ed. I know you're with us, Rick, as well. But I wanted to bring on Walt Ferber from WITZ ESPN three as well, and is uh, does the uh, University of Evansville basketball on ESPN, uh, both men and women. The Aces uh, voice on ESPN three. Certainly in tune with the college uh, basketball scene, University of Louisville, and so forth. Walter, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? Doing well. It's always good to talk with you. You know, and I brought you on, and we've got Rick Riggin uh, standing by, our college football analyst, and we've got uh, our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, uh, standing by. We normally go into our NFL and college ba- uh, football segment at this time, but, hey, uh, breaking news is breaking news. So, you know, I can break it down the best that I know how, but I think there's not a bigger expert in college basketball than you, Walter, uh, that I know personally. So I want you to break it down for us what we know, what happened, and really, I don't think anybody's really surprised that this happened, but Walt, I know with your expert insight, you can bring us, you can dub it down for us, if you will. Go ahead. Well, there's a whole lot of layers to this, Tom. There's there's no doubt about that, and it gets down to uh, really the NCAA being unable to control what's going on in the game anymore, and the fact that the shoe companies have thrown such large money at the sport that basically now they're the tail wagging the dog. Uh, Big-time college basketball is extraordinarily competitive, and uh, the push for Rick Pitino to get one more NCAA national championship, I think, was just uh, a a little bit too much. And uh, the fact that he would go to that extent to get Brian Bowen to uh, come to the University of Louisville says a little bit about the competitiveness that uh, that there is in the game right now. And you get an idea of really how much money is coming from the shoe companies as Adidas funneling uh, $100,000 allegedly for uh, Brian Bowen to play at the University of Louisville. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it, it gets to the point – I think that there's a little bit of insulation when you get to to that uh, that uh, high up, and uh, really the fact that there are programs out there that will do anything to win. <clears throat> not only do you have Louisville involved in this, another thing that is not vastly surprising, and I like the man very much. I've seen him on on TV, and I knew him when he was coach at USI down at Evansville. But Bruce Pearl's Auburn Tigers in trouble again. Uh, also because of one of his assistants, Chuck uh, Pearson. And in maybe one of the little oddities of everything, uh, what's going on at the University of Louisville, the fact that the money allegedly went directly to the athlete makes it an NCAA violation but does not make it a violation of federal law. Uh, so uh, everything going on there, you've got, you have got you look at the Auburn situation, and Pearson, Pearson actually used – the shoe company money allegedly is a bribe, so uh, that's not getting quite as much play, I don't think. But, uh, uh, Tom, you've got uh, the rifleman, the former Indiana Pacer, that may be going to jail for 80 years for his involvement Unreal. here. And I think we are just getting to the top of the to tip of the iceberg. Uh, the uh, FBI has subpoenaed the records for the developmental uh, uh facet of nike shoes and now not only the adidas schools but the nike schools 
may have uh, something to say about that, too. Now, I'm going to toot my, my buddy Marty Simmons' horn here a little bit. When I get to do the University of Evansville games on the radio network and work with, with TV with them and ESPN also, uh, when, the, the, when he, Marty Simmons was asked about this by the local media, he was dumbfounded. He said it kind of hit him like a ton of bricks, the fact that at the level UE is, they go on about their business, try to find young men that are going to uh, represent the community uh, on a good basis, be ambassadors to the community, want to get their degree. And it really, I think there are a number of schools that still follow the old-fashioned format of uh, the student-athlete. You go there to get your degree and play basketball, and you might play professionally, but when you're talking about the top level, uh, the the Louisville's and the Kentuckys and the Indianas and the schools on that level, the pressure is immense uh, to be successful. This is a multi-billion-dollar game now, and I don't know the answers to the questions. I really don't. But uh, but something's going to have to be fixed. And Tom, I am glad to see that uh, that the FBI did get involved in this because the NCAA just does not have the the ability to prosecute. They don't have the staff to investigate. And I think that this is just the beginning of what could be a major uh, a major rip in college basketball that could change the way we look at college basketball and college sports in particular. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Walt Ferber, uh, WITZ and Jasper, uh, but he also has a pretty cool gig with uh, ESPN, and he certainly uh, is very involved with the University of Evansville Aces. And uh, really, there's not a, a guy that knows high school basketball and college basketball better than, than Walt Ferber, and, I, and he's always my expert go-to guy uh, that I know. And, 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 and Walter knows all of the everything about high school football. Uh, I mean basketball. I'm sorry, and well, football for that matter too, but. College uh, basketball, and it really has his hand in, and, and he and he knows people to go to and talk to about this. So I thought he would be a great expert to have on the show. We'll open it up to our panel now. Ed Kratz is our official NFL contributor. Obviously, we're a national show. We flagship here in Indianapolis, but Ed's uh, from Philadelphia. Rick Riggin, our official college football analyst, happens to be from Evansville, by the way, as well. So we'll start with you guys, Rick and Ed. What questions do you have for Walt? regarding this NCAA scandal that's breaking. Hey, Walt, it's uh, Rick. Hey, nice to talk to you on the radio again, and I think you did an awesome job for Evans Athletics down here, buddy. Well, thank you, Rick, and I think the same of you. My question is, uh, how did this whole thing get started? What was the one smoking gun that started off all the investigation for the uh, FBI to get involved? Well, I think this has been ongoing for some time. Uh, it's been one of those dirty secrets that, you know, everybody pretty well knew that there was stuff going on. There was rumors and, and, and things, and there's, there's probably been hundreds of tips that have gone there, and it got to the point that there was such an avalanche of input that, uh, that the FBI decided to get serious. They got in with, with wiretaps. And this was a big money investigation by the FBI. Uh, they they looked at people they thought uh, possibly had been transgressors, and uh, they got down to the bottom. They had some people infiltrate, and uh, it was a, a huge investigation 
by a huge, well-funded investigation by the federal government. And I think this is not – I don't think there's maybe been one – necessarily one thing involved, but uh, a number of things. And you look at the University of, of Louisville and uh, with the prostitute scandal that they had a couple of years ago and with the troubles that uh, Patino has had in the past uh, with his own uh, indiscretions, it, it maybe made him a little more of a red flag. So with everything that happened there – and the fact that they were they went on NCAA probation not more than six weeks ago, uh, you know, when you do this, you're going to be looked at uh, pretty closely. And uh, I think it was accumulation of, of a lot of stuff. We're talking with Walt Ferber, ESPN3, WITZ, and Jasper, certainly uh, the voice of the University of Evansville, and uh, really has his ear to uh, college basketball. Ed Kratz, do you have, and, I, and I know you're calling us a Philadelphia. You're our NFL contributor, but you certainly uh, follow uh, Penn State quite e- exclusively as well. Uh, any questions or thoughts for Walt? Yeah, hey, Walt. Uh, never met you, but... Uh... I've seen your work on television. Do a great job. Um, I, I liked what you said at the very top about the, this is the result of the NCAA being unable to kind of keep this under control, keep keep their institution schools under control. And to me, the NCAA is, has been a big problem in a lot of this. Um, if anybody needs to be investigated, I think it's the NCAA. Do we even need an NCAA at this point? Um, you know, to me, they're kind of like the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, that is as corrupt as can be when it comes to awarding uh, site cities for the Olympics. And, you know, I'm not sure there's not a, a level of corruption going on within the NCAA, and, and they should be investigated. Um, but you know, Tom and I share a lot of tweets during the week, and, and I think Tom even put this out there as part of a poll question on Twitter, and, and, that, and that is, do you feel that athletes, college athletes, should be getting paid? I know – it's an age old question and they are getting paid in the form of a scholarship, but do you think more needs to be done uh, to give these players some kind of uh, money and uh, because of the, the big cash cow that these sports have become? Well, you know, I, I see where you're coming from on that. And honestly, I'm kind of old school. I believe that the, that the ability to get a free education is huge. And, you know, and honestly, if you're paying a player, looking at this Louisville situation, are you going to have a salary cap like you you have in the National Football League? What are you going to pay them? How much are you going to pay them? And if you do pay them, uh, there's going to be schools that, uh, that want to pay more. There's still going to be schools that are going at it under the table. What I worry about is if athletes are paid, and you have Power Five conferences that make big money, and I know you work – with Penn State, and that, you know, they have a budget bigger than a lot of third-world nations. But I work with a lot of mid-majors <laughs> in the Missouri Valley Conference, and you're looking at schools in the Missouri Valley Conference. If you add paying the players to the budget, I think you may see a number of the mid-Division one schools just go away because basketball in a lot of instances pays for the rest of the athletic department. So it's, a very, it's very much a slippery slope. Uh, I, I don't have any, any tried and true answers. Now, giving the players a stipend to where they have a little bit of money to where if they want to go out and have a pizza, go out on a date, 
or something like that, I think that's fine if you're looking at, you know, three or four thousand dollars. But I think, and I think that is available in some some ways now. But anything more than that, I think you're getting on a slippery slope. So we're talking with Walt Ferber. Walt, I know you, you're very, very busy with your uh, uh, college ba- basketball obligations, and I told you I'd be very conscious of the time that you would give us, and I appreciate that. But I do have one more question for you. You cover a lot of high school basketball. Uh, and mid-ma- you, you mentioned mid-majors. What, what a better time to be a, a mid-major coach, if you will. But one of the things I want to talk with you about, because you do interact with the high school coaches and players quite often, and I know that you cover the amateur uh, summer basketball stuff. What advice would you give these young kids and these coaches, especially the elite ones, as they are interacting in these amateur summer basketball leagues, seeing all the big coaches and scouts sitting there watching them, what advice would you give them personally to to move forward with their career? Because one of the things that we heard in the presser, Walt, was that, you know, we talk about Purvis. And Dan Dockage, you and I are mutual friends with him, and, and we know both know Dan well. Dan Dockage said today Purvis was like a human trafficker, and that's pretty strong words. So what 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 are your advice to these young kids that – just all they hear is how great they are. This is what we could do. We can make you can make millions. You can be great. You can be the god of college basketball. What do you, what do you tell them? Well, I'm a believer, and I think some AAU summer stuff is okay, uh, but I believe it's better for the most part if if these young men and women stick with a high school structure and uh, and hopefully have good family support. Uh, look for support in, in your high school, with your coaching staff, with the people that are meant to look out after you. Because you get into this summer league stuff, and it gets into the shoe companies. Uh, the true top level level players, uh, they're like a slab of meat to these guys. They're an, they're an investment, and they'll do whatever necessary. And I think you got to find folks that have your best interest at heart. But I also believe of all the thousands of people that are playing high school athletics and the hundreds of people that are going to be playing Division I basketball, the number of people that you're talking about that are going to be the one and doneers, so to speak, the Brian Bowens of the world, that's just a very small sliver. That's a small at the, at the very, very top of the, the, the pyramid, so to speak. But those people should find people they can trust, and, and, and many times that's not – now, not at all instances, but in many times that's not your your AAU basketball coaches and the representatives that want you because you can make them money. Uh, I think you got you got to find your friends. Walt is, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, fingers, if you will, uh, out there and that are that are breaking down the Archie Miller Media Day uh, IU uh, conference. I don't know if you were there. But one of the things that people like to take and just take one word, and I think Archie Miller is a gonna is a great coach for Indiana University, and you are an IU alum as as am I. Uh, we we both went through the same communication school, so we both have a love for IU. We both understand IU basketball. And so it's our it's our it's our love that we have. So we don't want to see that happen. But Archie Miller said, as far as I know, there's nothing going on with IU. And maybe we could say that's true because they don't get the big uh, recruits. And 
as far as we know, Tom Crean was never involved with, 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 with anything. But what are your thoughts? Do you worry about IU at all? You know, I well, you know what, what's what's going to happen is is going to happen. I would be surprised if IU was involved, uh, but uh, you know there is a connection. Uh, Kenny Johnson, uh, one of the assistants at Louisville that was involved in this before he was at Louisville, he was an assistant at IU. Indiana University is an Adidas school like the University of Louisville, and I do know one of the first things Archie Miller did was go to Fred Glass and ask him what's going on here. Uh, I know Fred Glass. I, you know, I don't know him well, but everything I know about him uh, screams that uh, they really try to do things on a, a very clean basis at IU. Uh, they even went to the point of basically firing their football coach because of, uh, of him doing some things that uh, the university didn't like. So they have a way of trying to keep an eyeball on that. But <clears throat> you know, nobody can cover everything. There's a lot. There's a number of bad apples out there, but I really think that from what I've seen and from what I know at least at this point in time, from my contacts that I've had for years at the university, uh, Don Fisher, a good friend and voice of the Hoosiers, and Joe Smith, mm-hmm. who I worked with at WTTS back in the 70s, uh, I think they're running a pretty clean ship there. Archie Miller, from everything I, I saw at Dayton, was a straight shooter when he was at Dayton. He works his tail off, uh, and I think uh, I would I would be somewhat surprised if there was uh, ne'er do wells associated with the program. But you honestly, I mean, you, there's no way of knowing for sure, and uh, we'll just have to wait and we'll have to wait and see. But I, I will tell you, I don't think that uh, this investigation is done. Uh, with the four schools that have been brought out so far, I think I think we're going to see a lot more. Trying to delve in who I, th- you know, I got some ideas who I think it might be, but I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus with with speculation. Uh, but I think IU was. I'm, I'm hoping that they that, that they end up being clean. I, I think so, and I hope you're right too. So we've been talking with Walt Ferber. Walt, we appreciate you joining us uh, today. I, I know you, you said it would be a struggle for you to come on today, and I appreciate you taking some time to, to do that for me on, on, the, on the late notice. Uh, Walt's a, a good expert friend of mine and uh, certainly uh, the, my go-to guy on college uh, basketball. But real quickly, uh, who wins? To, and we're going to break this game down here in a minute anyway, uh, but I know you won't be with us. But uh, real quickly, Penn State, IU, big game for IU. Uh, okay game for Penn State. What are your thoughts? Uh, I use better than anticipated this year. Uh, it is really hard to tell where they're at. They played Ohio State well earlier. Uh, if this was being played in Bloomington, I would think IU might have a shot. But uh, playing up in Happy Valley, it's real hard to win in Happy Valley. I think IU will be competitive, but I like Penn State in the football game. Thanks so much for joining us today, Walter. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch with you throughout as this thing unfolds, as we know it will. And certainly as we get into college basketball, we'll have you on more often. Uh, and we appreciate you joining us, sir. Tom, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Walt Ferber, WITZ down in Jasper, uh, voice of the University of, of Evansville, uh, joins us, uh, joined us today to talk about this NCAA uh, scandal. Uh, so, uh, Rick uh, and, and Ed, uh, what are, what are your uh, your final uh, thoughts on on that? We'll move on to a different discussion uh, as far as the games go. But 
I, I didn't mean to exclude you guys from the conversation, but I, I wanted to make sure we got Walt on. Walt, by the way, is uh, the voice of the University of Evansville Aces uh, for both uh, ESPN3. It does radio for them. But more importantly than that, uh, if I could show you uh, Walter's resume uh, in college basketball, it, you both of you would be astonished. And he knows the coaches. He knows the, the directors. He knows – people to go to to talk to there are people that he could call that that just give him uh it you know we'll, we'll talk to him just because he's calling so I, i'm fortunate to have him on our side when it comes to college basketball i couldn't think of a better person to have on so i did not mean to exclude you guys in the conversation but but the, it, it was kind of a priority story so uh ed rick any thoughts and we'll get into our our uh back on track if you will of our normal week go ahead yeah, I'm not sure if it's really going to be a final thought. It's just, you know, we see with, with the Adidas, and now they're looking into Nike, and I guess Under Armour's going to be the next uh, company to look into for this. That's that's the big three right now. But my fear is, being a college football guy, is that all of this is just the tip of the iceberg, and it's eventually going to leak into college football, and then who knows what's going to happen. But I think this is just the start of college sports being turned upside down. I mean, that that is that that's my fear. Uh, Ed? Yeah, I, I agree with Rick. I think it is just the tip of the iceberg. I, you know, there are so many corrupt programs in college athletics, not just basketball, football as well. Um, you know, back a, a lifetime ago, I used to cover West Virginia, their athletic program. And, um, you know, you would see some of these players, football and basketball, driving around in dealer cars. Uh, you'd see them parked in the lot on game day, and you'd see who the players were that would get in and out of them. And, you know, you, it made you wonder, like, where, where are they coming from? Now you look into it a little deeper, and they say, well, they're just kind of loners for the week and letting the players try it out, and it's legal under the NCAA rules. So, you know, you see all sorts of levels of corruption. This has risen, though. This this latest scandal has risen to, you know, so much money that's involved. And, you know, when I covered West Virginia, this was back in the 90s, so, uh, you know, maybe the money wasn't as great. But there are all sorts of ways that these programs are cheating and helping their student athletes, if you'll call them that helping good players come in uh, by giving them little handouts like this, you know, the free car for a while or helping their families in ways that we don't see and the FBI won't see. So, you know, this is the tip of the iceberg. We'll see how deep it goes. And we'll see, like Rick said, if it turns college sports upside down, which I, I think college sports does need to be turned upside down. I think, you know, it, it really isn't a transparent uh, situation with, with colleges and it needs to be more transparent. And I hope that we begin to see, uh, a little more transparency with this investigation. Well, we've got – I just want to let our affiliate uh, stations know, at, at the bottom of the hour, go ahead and go to your break, come back. We're going to keep going here because we are so far behind because of all of this uh, breaking news with the NCAA that's happened this week. We wanted to make sure we got all of our experts on and wanted to make sure that I gave ample time to Walt Ferber, VSPN3, uh, WITZ down in Jasper, uh, our college basketball expert. So we're going to keep talking through that break, but uh, just go ahead and take your breaks and come back as normal and uh, you won't uh, miss a beat, I promise. Anything that you guys miss, you can catch on the podcast. And by the way, when you download the podcast, I appreciate everybody hitting subscribe because that helps us know that you guys are listening. Our uh, good friend Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. Mo, buddy, my goodness, uh, do we have something to talk about today, sir? 
I don't think so. There's nothing I can think of. I just, I, I'm hoping that uh, the FBI is not looking into my, uh, my, my, where I'm getting my shoes at or anything like that, you know. <laughs> you know, wearing Adidas, kicking some Adidas. My new kicks, um, that's for sure. Eh? And, uh, but, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but we use Adidas to get Mo on the show. Just, you know, keep it on the down low. But, you know, all, all serious to society, you know, we, we've been talking about this all day. It's been, it's been, it's been soaked up and drenched up, but, Mo, come on. You and I both know this has been going on for a long time. Are we shocked? Kind of that it, like, nobody knew about it. You would think that a lot of times when there's an FBI investigation going on for years that something would get leaked. I don't think anybody knew about this. This is like a bombshell out of nowhere. It's like watching an epi- uh, watching the movie Goodfellas or something. But uh, but we're not surprised that it happened. Right, Mo? No, not, I mean, no, not at all. And I, I won't be surprised after this all uh, is, is old news that it happens again. You know, I mean, I, I just, I think that there's the NCAA is so inept at, uh, at doing investigations on their colleges that they basically have to have something dropped on their doorstep, uh, you know, in order for it to uh, to penalize anybody. So I, I think that uh, once this is all done and over with, they'll find new ways, just like they find new ways to pass the drug test. I think they'll find a new way to continue to do this and I don't think anything changes it may change for a year or two but I think it goes right back to the same as it's always been and we will also have a little bit longer balance extra not too much longer but just a little bit longer balance extra to kind of make up uh, for uh, the lost time to make sure that we get covered on all the the games and and so forth Mo you got your ear to Vegas what are they saying uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's uh, interesting right before this happens. I mean, obviously the the odds on Louisville have changed, but as uh, as it stands right now, you know, not a lot has changed yet with the uh, the odds for the college basketball, just because we don't know what other shoes are going to drop. So the only one that's really changed so far is Louisville. You know, people refer to him as Coach Number Two. We'll start with you, Rick. Uh, what are your thoughts? So Rick Pitino, here's the thing. He could not get out of this. There was no wiggle in his way out of this. There was no, this was the ultimate outcome for Rick Pitino and the University of Louisville. Go ahead, Rick. Well, it was funny because actually me and Ed had a couple tweets the other day, and I was like, I've never seen a guy that knew like so less about his program as Rick Pitino claims he was because he didn't know about the prostitution ring. He didn't know about the sex scandal. He didn't know about the... Uh, Thing with Adidas now, he had no idea. I'm absolutely shocked. Is like his opening statement to all three of these scandals. So I, that's what me and Ed was talking about. Of course, he's a scumbag. It's all his fault. He was in on all of it. And as we saw, you know, the reports, he's coach number two, helped funnel money into uh, the kid Brian Bowen's uh, family. Uh, all the other stuff he didn't know about, he really didn't know about too. So I. I think that's how you get caught these days. I mean, I, I'm not sure. That's why I was asking Walt Ferber what was the one thing that really came out because all this came out of nowhere. I, I, just, I was wanting to know, like, how this all got started. But it's a good thing we got Tino out of Louisville, even though uh, I'm not a Louisville fan anyway. But you just knew he was always up to no good there because that's the way it, it's been throughout his coaching career. Well, you know, and, and here, here's the thing. I, I, I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate here and keep my head in the sand. I don't. I honestly believe that he did not know about the prostitutions. Be, why I say that 
is because Rick Pitino's a pretty smart man. He's a pretty clever man. And where the, these uh, parties that were happening at, uh, you know, on campus where there's cameras, there's uh, non-supporters of, 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 of UL there, I think if he did know about it, he would have been smart enough to say, guys, we've got to do this in a different way. And I think what he, like I said earlier, I think what he needed to do then after all of that happened, guys, we, uh, we we escaped the bullet. We cannot get in any more trouble. I think he absolutely, obviously knew everything. He was referred to in the – when the FBI comes to Knoxville, and this is what I thought was great, one of the best part of that presser was, we have your playbooks. Give us a call before we call you. And you know Rick Pacino's like, holy crap. And so it, it, the, the whole bottom opened up. Uh, on on Rick Pitino, but uh, Ed Kratz, I know that your NFL is your is your expertise, but obviously these college players and the NFL players come from college. Let me ask you this: Would it be better just to let these kids go pro? Well, uh, they're allowed to go pro, right? Don't they have to go uh, one year of college and then they go pro? I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's the problem. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it is. And, you know, you mentioned that you don't think Patino knew about the prostitution. I, You know, I, I know you're playing the devil's advocate there, but, boy, a, any good coach knows everything that's going on inside his program. And, that's right. Um, that, you yeah. know, he, he he had to know. And, and, and I'll just give you an example. Here in Pennsylvania, in the eastern part of the state, there's a terrific linebacker who's going to Penn State, committed to Penn State, okay, James Franklin's program. He's a senior this year in high school. He took his recruiting trip to Penn State, and he got in trouble with alcohol. He drank too much alcohol. He ended up having some alcohol poisoning, and Franklin knows about it. And Franklin is still willing to stand behind him unless this goes public. Um, you know, and trying to get people to confirm about it, uh, confirm something on this has been difficult. But, uh, you know, I have it on good word that Franklin knows. And this is just one isolated recruiting trip. The kid was offered a scholarship. Now if it comes out, that scholarship's going to be rescinded. But, you know, this is one kid in a football program of, you know, 80 to 90 players that a, a coach has to keep track of, and he knows about it. So you can't tell me that Patino didn't know about this prostitution stuff. And you can only claim ignorance for so long before, uh, you know, that example wears – or that excuse, I should say, wears thin. So, you know, he got what he had coming to him, and uh, it's probably going to be the end of his college coaching career. I don't know if the NBA would take a chance on a 65-year-old um, but to answer your question, Tom, I think that one, in, you know, that GoPro thing, I think is kind of part of the problem, and I don't know how you solve that. Hey, well, I think GoPro hey, real is... quick, real, real quick, Tom, because uh, you were saying that maybe he didn't know about the prostitution ring because how things get covered up. But I would argue that I think he probably was a major influence in covering that up because didn't the only way that came out didn't the madam of the escort service write some kind of a book or something like that? Isn't that how that whole story came out? I really don't know. But you know what? That brings up a funny – honestly, I'll have to research that. But, that, but uh, what I thought was funny, though, uh, Louisville's close to here in Indianapolis, so I get a lot of coverage of Louisville stations and stuff on my tweets. And stuff. They, they reached out to the hookers. Come on. What kind of statement are they going to give you guys? I mean, <laughs> we have a statement from the hookers. Oh, my gosh. But I, you know what? I, I don't blame the kids. I mean, if, if, I, if I was good enough to play basketball and – and I got invited to a party and hookers. I'm, Sign me up. 
This is what it's like. Sign me up. <laughs> no. I, I'm not trying to make light of a very serious, serious situation. This story's going to keep going, guys, but we got to keep going and, and be on track because we got NFL to talk about and we've got college football to talk about and we've got to get into our AMVETS uh, presents uh, Breaking Rank. Thanks to all the AMVETS for all that they do. And, Rick, I know you had a great time at, at conference last weekend besides the great time you I had, had with awesome me last time. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I can just tell you one thing, Rick and 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 uh, Troy and I ha- hung out on Saturday night. Uh, let's just leave it at that. I'm glad we all got home safely. But you know what? You know what your Uber driver told me because I wanted to make sure he was paid. And you got you guys got back. He told me you guys tried to pay him twice after I'd already paid him. At least he was honest enough to oh, take the money. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to go throw. I don't remember what happened. I remember tucking Troy and Ben. We got back to the hotel, and that, that was it. That's all I remember. <laughs> uh, I have some pictures if you need reminded about what happened. I, I, right. I, I, I got... <laughs> <laughs> at least he, at least Troy didn't end up in a storage closet. But that's another story for another day. I'm laughing so hard. I can't. I can't stand it. Because... Oh, you guys should have been there. Uh, the debauchery. Uh, like I said, three middle-aged uh, men at a bar watching a Notre Dame game. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, Rick, you are – Rick. I'll just put it this way. Rick is a bad, bad influence on me. We'll, we'll leave it at that. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so – Talk with us a little bit about the AMBETS, and let's get into this top 25. I've got to regain my composure. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> well, since uh, World War II, you know, the AMBETS, that they fight for the uh, benefits our, our veterans are entitled to. That That has been our fight for the past 50, 60, 70 years, and uh, and the best way to get out and help support your local veterans is to get a member of membership to AMBETS. Uh, here in Indiana, it's 30 bucks a year if you're a vet. Uh, you don't have to. You don't even have to be a member or be a veteran to be a member. So just get out to your local post and uh, check us out. It's a great way to help support your local veterans. All right, guys, let's get let's get into these games uh, today. Uh, and we'll get, we're going we want to uh, get into bet against the spread with Mo a, as well. But Mo, what are the college games that you're working on? Oh, you know, I'm not. I, I'm just looking at. Uh... Uh, you know, a lot of Midwest games <clears throat> this week. You know, I, I do like uh, I do like Indiana in the first half. They've played uh, they've played a lot of uh, big team big time teams tough in the first half. I'm taking that uh, line the uh, plus 15 in the first half for uh, for IU today against Penn State. And I like Iowa getting points after their uh, disappointment heartbreak uh, of a week ago. I like Iowa getting three points uh, against Michigan State today. Uh, it's another one that uh, that looks good in the Midwest. Uh, you know, and then uh, there's a, there's a few games that uh, that uh, are interesting to me. Western Michigan, who uh, you know played pretty well against USC earlier in the year, uh, giving two touchdowns to Ball State, who is just a you know not a great football program. So those are the three Midwest games that I really like in college football. What's well, uh you know because we got Ed on and uh, he's our Penn State expert as well uh, as well as our NFL contributor Ed Penn State IU. Uh, let's break that game down. Well, a basketball school versus a football school. I'm I'm not giving Indiana a whole lot of uh, hope in this one. I think the only hope they might have, and it's a very small one, is that how Penn State responds after being 
having to play, you know, a full 60 minutes last week in Iowa. What a great game that was. Um, I, probably the best game of the weekend, in my opinion, the way Penn State kind of came back and won it on the last play of the game. And Saquon Barkley firmly put his stamp on the Heisman Trophy, in my opinion. If you watch that game, which I did from start to finish, he made some plays that were just unbelievable. Uh, I just don't see how Indiana stops this kid. He's on pace to uh, set a college record from yards from scrimmage. He's already over 1,000 yards uh, from scrimmage this season. Uh, He's going to be a handful. The fact that it's at Penn State, I just don't see Indiana having any chance at all of winning yet alone keeping this close. I think Penn State will just, uh, you know, roar from start to finish in this game. Uh, but like I said, we'll see. Maybe they get off to a slow start, kind of having to recompose themselves after last week's tremendous win in Iowa. Uh, so, I, you know, I mean, I know Indiana's playing better, and they're 2-1, and one and, you know, they beat Georgia Southern. They put up a lot of points against them last week, but really Georgia Southern's not Penn State, and Penn State's just going to roll to a, bit, to a big win. Or whatever. I don't know what the point spread is, Mo. I, you know, I, you could – you could tell us that. 17 and, maybe and a half. Did, but seven, yeah, I would take Penn State with, with the points on that. So, yeah, you uh, know, and the thing with me, the thing with IU is, is if you're going to take them against a, a big program, is it usually take them in the first half. We've seen them play Ohio State tough. I've won money with uh, IU in the first half for the past four years in the first, you know, against Ohio State. So they tend to hang around and be a pest in the first half, uh, but tend to uh, to run out of steam in the third quarter and, and you know and, and get beat big a lot of times in the uh in the second half and Penn State could be that team where that where that trend doesn't happen but I feel IU's got enough to hang around maybe early on as long as they don't turn the football over if they turn the football over early as we saw with the Bears the other night uh against the Packers it could be over early but I think that uh you know 15 points 14 and a half points in that first half to hope they keep it close I think is enough and then maybe Penn State blows them out in the second half Rick, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, the point spread there is a plus nine and a half. Uh, the, the Cowboys' chances of winning the Big 12 probably disappeared at their home field last week in the loss to TCU. That was a huge loss uh, to the Cowboys. Uh, Oklahoma State at Texas Tech, what say you, sir? Yeah, is there going to be a hangover from the, the loss last week to TCU? Uh, that's going to be the problem here for Oklahoma State because uh, the Red Raiders, they're – that's a running game football team, and they can put points, a lot of points on the board. They, they can go toe-to-toe on offense with Oklahoma State. Up until last weekend, I thought Oklahoma State was by far the best-looking offensive team in the country, but we saw what a good defense like TCU can do to shut them down. I think Oklahoma State's going to win. I, maybe they win by a score or two, but uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of a hangover from the loss last week, but I think they get it done. Uh, Notre Dame hosts the Miami Redhawks uh, this afternoon. Uh, thoughts on that, Rick? Uh, I, I, Mo, I, I believe they're favored by 21, but I think they, they're going to win by at least 30. <laughs> That's my thought. Yeah, that. it, it's point spreads like that, though, that are scary when you play these lesser teams is that, uh, you know, if they if they get up big, and, you know, obviously the other team that's behind is still trying to score and you put in some other guys, it's it's those big point spreads against the lesser teams like that that always make me scared if I'm going to bet on a football game. So generally, you know, I try to stay away from those. We've seen, uh, you know, teams come out and not just destroy teams that they're supposed to. So it's it's always a, uh, a scary thought on those type of uh, big point spreads. You know, we saw them open up what? Hey, Hank, yeah, I'm sorry, Tom. We just saw him open up the uh, what Mo was saying. What Mo was saying, uh, over at the passing game last week against uh, Michigan State. Now I'm worried about that too. The big point spread. Maybe they try to work on more of the passing game against a lesser opponent, and that's 
maybe it's not so successful today like it was last week, and that's how uh, Miami of Ohio can stick around. So, uh, Mo, Iowa at Michigan State, this is a much closer game, and we saw Michigan State play a good game against Notre Dame last week. Uh, and, you know, I kind of had to do a double take uh, when I saw this line. It's uh, uh, minus three and a half. Uh, one week after being annihilated by Notre Dame, but it was a good game. But, yeah, they just got outgassed by, by Notre Dame. And uh, the, the Spartans just don't look like they bounced back uh, from a, you know, a tough year last year. I would pick Iowa in this game to cover three and a half. Yeah, this is the game that I actually took. I took I got Iowa plus three, and after after watching both games last week, I liked the performance that, that Iowa had. So I, I took Iowa and took the points. It seemed like a no brainer. Uh, usually those are the ones that tend to go wrong are the no brainers. But Iowa plus three, it was uh, I definitely got my money in early on that one this week. Well, let's get on over to some NFL talk. We've got Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor. Uh, Ed, I tell you what, uh, uh, Carson Wentz has given his game check uh, to the, the kicker, uh, and he was mic'd up, so he's got to do it. It's like $36,000. But, my gosh, you've got to be happy with what you saw with the Eagles and the Giants last week. Well, his, his game check is more than $36,000. It's, it's over $100,000. Uh, his game checking. I pulled a number out of my ass. I didn't know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's going to go up. You know, that'll that'll go up as the years go by for Carson Wentz. Let me tell you. But uh, anyway, well, he he did say he would give his check to Elliot. They, him, and the kicker have worked something out where it's going to go to Elliot's favorite charity. Uh, It's not going to go in Elliot's wallet, but uh, the two of them. Right, right. He's going to make good on that, and he's going to give it to Elliot's favorite charity. But. You know, that was a, another amazing game, you know, uh, here in, in Pennsylvania where, you know, Penn State wins on that last second touchdown throw and then the Eagles win on a 61-yard field goal as time expires uh, by Jake Elliott. Just tremendous. And, you know, uh, something that goes overlooked is the, is the great throw that Wentz made to pick up 19 yards to put the Eagles in, you know, that so-called field, re- field goal range. It was a great throw to Alshon Jeffrey who was able to get out of bounds three guys were around Jeffrey and yet Wentz was somehow able to drill it in and the Giants defense knew the Eagles were going to throw to the sideline and yet they still were able to complete that pass. So, you know, Wentz made a great throw. He didn't have an overall great game, uh, but, you know, he, he made that throw at the end when it mattered and he led the team to the comeback win. So, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, the Eagles are going out to uh, San Diego to play, or uh, rather Los Angeles to play the Chargers. And uh, if, you're, if you have Zach Ertz, yeah, if you have Zach Ertz on your fantasy team, I would play him. The guy's been a beast on the road. He's caught at least five uh, passes in a, in a team record, six straight road games, and he's the top pass-catching tight end in the NFL right now. He's 10th overall among all pass catchers in the NFL, and, you know, he's ahead of all the other tight ends like Rob Gronkowski and Jason Witten and Travis Kelsey. He's got more catches and yards than any of them, so, and he's very good on the road. So if you have Ertz on your fantasy football team, that's my fantasy football tip of the week. I would put Zach Ertz in your lineup. Fantasy tip of the week. You know, that, I guess that's one of the dangers, that going back to Carson Wentz in the game check. Uh, uh, he uh, said on – because he was mic'd up for the game, you know, and how they do that. <laughs> he, he, he let it out of the bag. I wanna, if he makes this come on, I'm going to give him my game check. I loved it. <laughs> They've been playing that on all the uh, the, uh, the sports uh, shows and podcasts throughout the whole week. It's been like the, the – the 
the highlight uh, uh, of of the week, if you will. And I want to talk with you about something that's, uh, as you know, we've got to talk about this. It's it's unfortunate that we have to talk about this because it is so divisive. It is so polarizing. And and at the end of the day, I, you know, say what you want about Donald Trump, but Donald Trump was probably the winner in this. I mean, and I say that because a lot of his base are NFL ticket holders. A lot of his base are the people that stand for the national anthem. A lot of uh, people that didn't vote for him might be on the field. So I think that the, the NFL and the players and the fans all have to come together. I'm a firm believer in the First Amendment and what Clay Travis said. I'm a firm uh, believer in boobs in the First Amendment. But I'm a firm believer in the First Amendment. So I certainly agree with the right to protest. And, I, and you know, as a veteran – Rick's a veteran. I think that we understand that that's what part of freedom is. However, however, the flag should never be used as a communication device for, in my opinion, for uh, a, a cause. And we don't even know what they're protesting anymore. That's the bad thing about it because Colin Kilpatrick stopped his protest, and he went on a ride-along with San Francisco police, and he's kind of said, police are cool. I'm good with that. So it's not divisive. Now it's, that's not the issue. So now it's become about racism, which, yes, should be talked about, and the attention should be brought. And is it unfortunate that we have a president that speaks his mind? Maybe yes, maybe not, depending on what side of the fence that you're on. I honestly don't know that he should have used that verbiage, but I agree with the stand that he took. And that what that did was now are we, are we protesting the comment from Donald Trump? Are we protesting something else? So the, 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 what I did like and what I enjoyed seeing on Sunday night with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, everybody kneeled before the, the national anthem and then stood for the national anthem. And then we look at Thursday with the Bears and the Packers. Everybody still stood for the national anthem, even though their arms were interlocked. Okay, that's a fair compromise. As a NFL professional like yourself, when you see this polar de- divisive issue happening, what are your thoughts? What do you tell the fans? What do you tell the teams? What do you tell your, 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 the people that follow your, your writings and your blogs and so forth? Go ahead. Well, I, you know, I think that flag means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, you know, and, and uh, everybody knows that it's not the flag that they're disrespecting or the country that they're disrespecting or the military or the or the you know the the local police force or the, you know they're not disrespecting that they're trying to bring attention to what you said the protest is they want to talk about race you know racial equality and and, and you know some of the police brutality that exists out there and this uh, you know the racism the, you know this the racism in this country is, is very very bad right now um, you know for whatever reason I, you know I have my thoughts as to why that's become such a hot button. Uh, you know, these last few years, but, you know, it's such a hot topic right now. And when you say that, you know, Donald Trump was the winner this week, I'm not sure you could really say, I mean, what, what exactly did we win here? Um, You know, there were six foot, six NFL players that were protesting and it was really kind of, you know, a non-story really. There was, you know, maybe a couple pockets that were upset that, you know, these six players were, uh, protesting in some form. I know in Philadelphia, Malcolm Jenkins just raises his fist. He doesn't kneel. Um, so, you know, really there's less than five players that were probably kneeling during the anthem. And then, you know, Trump came out and 
called them SOBs, and next thing you know, there's 250 players that are protesting, and, yeah. and now they're protesting for the wrong reason because clearly it's the protest of Trump calling them SOBs. And what you forget in this situation is that NFL players do a lot of good for this country. Look at J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt, what he did with the Houston yes, absolutely. Uh, Hurricane. Uh, he raised all that money. You have players out there that, that – contribute money to education to criminal justice to programs that bring about or try to bring about reform uh, within their communities and and that completely gets overlooked because now we have people protesting trump because trump felt for whatever reason the need to come out and call them sobs and yeah he speaks his mind and all that and you know maybe he needs to be a little more nuanced with what he says but You know, to yep. me, that was kind of the wrong message to send. And now you have this, once again, you have a divisive stake driven into a culture in this country, just like it happened with the Oscars, with actors in the Oscars. And now everybody, nobody wants to watch the Oscars who support Trump. And now nobody wants to watch the NFL who support Trump. To me, it's kind of uh, a situation that didn't need to happen, didn't need to rise to this level, but here we are, and players are protesting in a silent way. They're not disrespecting the flag. I, would you rather have them do this than pick up tiki torches and, and storm through the streets chanting anti-Semitic statements and, and, and anti-black uh, you know, statements? I mean, this is a peaceful protest designed to bring about talk about reform. You know, I saw something on Twitter that a lot of these uh, policies – that are in place today were enacted during the New Deal back in the 30s when blacks didn't have a say and a voice in putting any of these things together. So, you know, do we need to revisit some of the way policy is handled and the way things are taught inside police academies and training sessions? I think we do, and I think that's all the players are saying is, you know, let's talk about this. We're not, we're not disrespecting right. the country. We're not disrespecting the military. We're not disrespecting the police force. We just want to talk about the situation that's going on in America as it pertains to black people. I'm not a black person. I have no idea what it's like to be black in this country. I do have friends that are black, and we talk about this all the time. And if we had, you know, another hour, I could, <laughs> I could tell you how they feel sure. about it. And it's, it, it's really, you know, it's kind of a sad state of affairs, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think Trump uh, knows he kicked over the wrong anthill. I, I don't claim to know what he was thinking when he said that. I, I do know, you know, another show, another topic, Trump speaks his mind. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. I think he realizes that he, that, that did create an issue, and I think that maybe he, he, he will we'll see if he keeps his rhetoric up, but that's neither here nor there. Hopefully if he calms down, everybody calms down, and we do begin to open the dialogue. Dialogue uh, of that, and Rick and Mo. I want to give you get you guys' thoughts on this. If you have any, if not, we can continue to move forward. Rick, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know when Colin Kaepernick started this last year, he said what the protest was for. And at some point between then to now, the the narrative changed from what they were protesting to how she's so disrespectful. And I think that's wrong. Right in the middle of a protest, how everybody as a whole kind of just changes the narrative. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of the kneeling and everything for the flag on the national anthem, but I did serve for the right to do that, and and I d- uh, definitely respect uh, what what their protest is for. But I I just want to know what the next step is. Are they going to reach out to the police of these communities, or city or state leaders, or even Congress or Senate? Uh, what what's the next step? Uh, that that that's the only question I have. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be great if uh, a few leaders in the NFL would address Congress or Senate and and would uh, open up dialogue in that. I think that would be a, a great show from both sides to allow that to happen. Mo, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, the first thing is, is I, I hate where this is, is is ruined my escape from everything where it's it's, it's one its way exactly. into sports. You know, I, I I used to be a fan of U2, and then it got to where it became so political during the concerts that, you know, I was just shut up and sing your damn songs. But, you know, right. the, the thing is, the, this country was founded on a protest, uh, you know, against uh, what the, the British were doing. So, uh, I, you know, I didn't think at the beginning that this was the right uh, thing to incorporate his protest with. But, you know, it, it's a peaceful protest. And then I think it, at some point during the way, I think – Colin Kaepernick had some people in his ear who misguided him with the, the socks he wore and the, and the Fidel Castro shirt. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, if, if it's bringing some recognition, it can open some dialogue, then that's great. But I, 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 there needs to be an end game. What's the next step for, for this? Like Rick said, what's the, what's the next step? How do we, how do we make this better? And, and, and I think a lot of people are, are taking the, the whole kneeling for the flag thing, maybe too, uh, you're getting upset about it maybe a little too much because at the end of the day, kneeling for all for all intents and purposes for the ages has been a show of respect, right? I mean, you kneel they kneeled for the kings and queens for you know back uh, way back when. So for a long time, you kneel to, supposed to to propose uh, to your wife. Uh, so maybe we're just trying we're trying to find things wrong with everything nowadays in this country is what it feels like. We're trying to find things wrong even in football. We're trying to find things wrong with sports, with politics, with everything, and maybe. Everybody just if we'd stop trying to be so upset all the time and trying to find things wrong, let's try to find a solution instead of trying to find problems. And I think that that's where somebody needs to take, uh, since Colin Kaepernick hasn't really been back out front of this, somebody needs to take charge and we need to figure out what the end game is and how do we make it better instead of continuing to find problems with each side. I agree 100%. All right, well, let's get back on track here. Thanks, guys, for your thoughts on that. It's a, it's just an unfortunate, a divisive thing that's happening in our country. Hopefully it gets all worked out. Uh, guys, four minutes before we lose our stream, we're going to move into the Balance Extra, which is just going to be online and on our podcast. And certainly when you download the podcast, guys, anybody that's listening, hit subscribe. That helps us know that you're listening, and that way that we uh, know what we can do and, and, and better and so forth. Uh, comment on the show if you you will. Uh, again, across the pond tomorrow, <clears throat> first thing in the morning, nothing like uh, football, first thing in the morning. Uh, New Orleans Saints versus the Miami uh, Dolphins. The uh, the point spread on that, Ed, is three. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts last week in London where the Ravens are going to roll over the Jaguars. <laughs> Boy, I, I had that one wrong. So, uh, you know how these London games are going to turn out. You know, uh, it, it's tough to say. I mean, I know you know, the Dolphins are coming off a, a tough loss and, um, you know, the Saints defense is, is young, but, you know, they're, here we are in the fourth game of the season and they should be getting better. So, uh, you know, I don't really know how to, how to view this. I mean, I, I think Miami's offense is such a mess with Jay Cutler at quarterback. Now we'll see what Adam Gase can kind of do schematically to, uh, uh, to get that offense rolling. I think the Dolphins will, and I think they'll figure out a way, and I, I think the Dolphins will find a way uh, to win this game. Mo, the Buffalo Bills versus the Atlanta Falcons. I tell you what, this is kind of a dangerous game. Uh, that's an eight-point spread. 
the Falcons are three and zero, but I have a tendency to get sloppy late in the games, much like the Colts. Uh, I'm smelling a backdoor uh, Bills cover, at least the point. I, I think the, the Falcons win, obviously against the Bills, but I think the Bills certainly cover this eight point spread. Well, I think Tyrod Taylor continues to improve each and every week. The question is, is, is what Bills team shows up? Uh, for this football game. They're another one to me that's very Jekyll and Hyde. You know, I think it was a shock to some folks that the the way they kind of handled Denver at the end of the game last week. But, you know, Tyrod Taylor's uh, uh, becoming a very good quarterback in this league. Uh, but, you know, it, it's so hard to pick against Atlanta because when the games have gotten tight and sloppy in the end, they found a way to win. And they're at home uh, in that beautiful stadium. And to me, as a player, I, I know you're a professional and you, everything's focused on the field, but that that scoreboard is so damn amazing that it would be hard not to be distracted at times by how cool <laughs> that is and just the environment. You know, it's uh, it's a, it's a very neat thing. But I, I think that uh, Atlanta is a team that, that's too good in every aspect, uh, and I think that they continue to uh, the win close games. Where I think is important. So I think Atlanta wins the game. Um, the eight points. You know, it's that it's that one point. It's so funny at times it makes a difference because if it's a seven point spread, it seems like Atlanta's a no brainer. But the eight points made me think enough that I didn't put any money on the game. So, uh, you know, you're right, it could be a backdoor Bills cover, but, again, who shows up? But I, I like Atlanta to win the football game outright. So, uh, we're 60 seconds from losing our, 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 our stream, but, Mo, I mean, no, I'm sorry, not, not Mo. Rick, Rick, are there any college games we haven't touched on that you wanted to make sure we touched on for breaking Rick? Yeah, well, uh, you know, today you also have uh, Alabama and Ole Miss, uh, Alabama's lost three games in the last three years. Two have been to Ole Miss. If you want to look back in the last five years between the, these two, even though Alabama has won in close shootouts with Ole Miss, they haven't really just flat-out defeated Ole Miss in the past five years. But out of the three games, uh, they, they've lost uh, the past three years. They've lost to Ole Miss twice. Of course, the other losses to Clemson in the national championship game. Uh, I don't see any problems with Alabama. I, mean, I think they're just so dominant this year once again, and I really hate saying that, but uh, and I say that passionately. But uh, I, I don't see any problems with Alabama. And then uh, we have Tennessee and uh, Georgia today. So, uh, Bush Jones on the hook once again. I, I don't see uh, Tennessee winning this one. That's going to be Georgia. Georgia looks really good. So, just those two games. The best thing Tennessee can do is fire Butch Jones. I'm just saying. Ed, I, uh, I think that's Panthers. going to happen. <laughs> and the Carolina Panthers versus the New England Patriots. Obviously, teams always uh, tend to raise their game against the Pats. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with Cam Newton at the moment, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him battle through and to try to keep this game closed uh, with a nine-point uh, uh, spread. What are your thoughts there, uh, Ed? Yeah, you're, well, that's a big spread. And the Patriots' defense hasn't been real good these first three games. They've given up almost 100 points total in three games and uh you know whether carolina can test that defense you know we'll see um you know obviously not having greg olsen has hurt cam newton he's been kind of slow to uh come around from that uh shoulder surgery so uh you know that's a lot of points to give up carolina is on the road but i think given the nature of that defense uh, new england has i think carolina will find a way to put some points on the board and keep it close and i, and I think they'll uh, you know, I think they'll cover that spread. I think they'll play this to a, a closer than a nine-point uh, difference. 
We want to make sure we get <clears throat> all these uh, NFL games uh, at least talked about or touched, that way, at least the, the, the major ones. Uh, and uh, certainly we want to have some time to talk about the Colts. We're going to have we're now into bon- uh, bonus time or overtime, if you will, with the balance extra. Uh, normally that's about five minutes. We're going to extend that uh, to about 10, 11 minutes. We'll try to get everything in in that uh, amount, amount of time. Uh, Mo uh, from the VS Sports Show joins us uh, and helps us understand who to bet on, who not to bet on. And uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Baltimore Ravens, There's the, the, that point spread is three. I think you look at the Steelers all day long on this. The Ravens will probably bounce back from last week's debacle. But uh, no amount of bounce back can ever uh, cover the fact that, that this just isn't a very good football team. And the Pittsburgh had a, an embarrassing loss to Chicago Bears last week. This is a Pittsburgh Steeler game. <clears throat> Well, I mean, to me, this is one of those games where, you know, after both losses last week, neither one of them looked great and neither one of them, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that Joe Flacco's 100% healthy. Uh, you know, I, I, you saw some, uh, some, some terrible quarterback play at times, uh, terrible mistakes from Ben Roethlisberger last week against the uh, Bears. Yeah, this is one of those games to me that, that I don't put any money on. Uh, I, I think that Pittsburgh probably wins the game, but it was such sloppy play from both teams last week that it, it's hard to say – that hey, this is this is definitely worth my cash. I don't like this game at all. I don't like either team so far this year. Uh, but I think Pittsburgh wins the game. But who the hell knows by how many after what happened last week? Rick, the Rams at uh, the Dallas Cowboys. The point spread is six. The Rams' biggest draw is its defense. Uh, threw everyone for a loop last week. The Cowboys are better on every phase. They really should win this game comfortably. Yeah, but the only thing is I have not been impressed with the Cowboys' offense as a, so far. It was Zeke Elliott. It's not, I don't know if it's sophomore slumps for Zeke Elliott and uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, the Rams' defense is, looks pretty good. I, I think they're going to make this game really close, keep it close. I think the Cowboys get the win. But so far, I haven't been that impressed with the Cowboys. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Ed? I think, I think Dallas can easily win this game by at least 10. Yeah, well, who would have thought Jared Goff would be, uh, you know, one of the top-rated quarterbacks in the NFL <laughs> heading into week four? I mean, he, he's looked like certainly a different quarterback with Sean McVay as his head coach. You know, Sean McVay, to me, looks like a really good head coach here. He's, he, he lets, uh, you know, he only concentrates on that offense, turns the defense over to his coordinator and lets him run that. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is a little bit more than the Rams can chew, though, here in, in Dallas. I think Dallas will, is going to try to get better. Uh, you know, like like Rick said, with uh, that second year, uh, that sophomore slump that uh, Elliott's going through. But, you know, that offensive line hasn't really played well. And, you know, Aaron Donald uh, being in the middle is going to make it a challenge. But I think the Cowboys do have a little too much, especially being at home. And, uh, you know, they may make life tough on the Rams. I mean, they, you know, the Cowboys have the leading pass sacker in the league in Demarcus Lawrence. He had a three-sack game last week. He's got ten quarterback hits. I mean, he just looks tremendous in a contract year for the Cowboys. So, you know, this could be a really tough spot for uh, for Goff to, to step up and continue his good play. Mo, the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns, uh, three and a half. I mean, the Browns are going to win at some point, right? Uh, we almost gave them a win last week. Uh, the Bengals look a lot better after replacing their offensive coordinator. I think we see a trend continuing against the Browns, who have struggled to get the pressure, pressure on opposing passers. Uh, I, I think easily the Cleveland Browns uh, cover this. I, I mean, I'm sorry, the Bengals cover this spread, and they beat the Browns. I mean, you know, one would think that that's the case, but – who the hell knows? You know, was that a one-week difference that we saw in Andy Dalton last week, or 
uh, do things go back to the way they were the previous two weeks before that? This is to me is another terrible football game. And if if the uh, if the Bengals lose to the Browns this week, I think there needs to be more sweeping changes. It's just it it, it I think Marvin uh, Marvin Lewis is just it, his tenure is over in my opinion in Cincinnati. It should have been probably a couple of years ago. I know there's a lot to be said about coaches and continuity, but. To me, this is this is a locker room that uh, and a team that's just done. But uh, you know, Perfect uh, will be back, so it, it should be a Bengals win. But you know, the Browns didn't look terrible. Deshaun Kaiser made some key mistakes uh, last week that uh, that uh, lost it for the Browns. But they had a chance to win the football game at the end, and that's all you can ask with a rookie quarterback. So I think the game probably will be closer. Uh, but I think the Bengals can cover this spread and probably do win the game. Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor. Ed, uh, yeah, let's all overreact to the Pats, the the Pats game line. Tennessee Titans versus the Texans. Uh, the, the 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 line is one and a half. The Texans defense will slow down the Titans, and Deshaun Watson will do enough uh, to pull this one out at home. You know, I like what I saw out of the Texans last week. I don't like what I saw because they are in our division. Uh, but uh, at least, you know, the the Texans are a good team, and I, and I think uh, the defense keeps uh, Marcus Mar- Mar- Mariota, sorry, uh, in check. Uh, I think this is a, a good, safe three point win for the Houston Texans. Yeah, on the surface, it looks like two different teams going in two different directions to me. I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson had a pretty good game last week and just his second start for the Texans. And, you know, he, but you have to remember he is a rookie. Um, you know, meanwhile, I like Mariota's running game. I think that that combination of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, uh, you know, they really are able to establish that and that opens things up for uh, Marcus Mariota. I, you know, I, I think, I'd probably be on the other end of that, Tom. I think the Titans go into Houston and cover that spread. I think the Titans are the best team uh, in that division. Um, and I think they've got a way to win uh, in in Houston. Uh, it'll be close, but I think they cover the three. Uh, Rick, Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York Jets, three points, uh, three and a half point spread. Uh, just isn't enough to make me pick the worst team in football, even at home. And unfortunately, this means another win for Jacksonville. But I think it's it's uh, front loaded for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, are we going to get the London Jaguars or the Jacksonville Jaguars? That's two different teams. <laughs> so which which one do we have? And uh, yeah, you went to add right after Mo, but I just wanted to say Bill Lazor because we've talked about Cincinnati. But uh, I want to get to. Uh, I think Jacksonville's going to win this game easily. I mean, they're <laughs> and that's going to give it two straight wins probably make him some sort of contender in the AFC South now. I think it's the easy one for Jacksonville. So, uh, I, uh, Mo, I I have uh, Carson Wentz in one of my my leagues, and I, I like Carson Wentz, but I don't trust him for this game, and I'm sorry to say that, Ed. Uh, I told fantasy uh, owners to, to buy low on Phillip Rivers, though. Uh, I think this is going to be just a, a – I mean, the Chargers, Mo, in my opinion, are too good – of a team to go 0 and 4 and I know that the, the Eagles had a great win last week against the Giants and I'm not an Eagle hater. I just think the Chargers find a way to get a win on this and I don't even know what the spread is on that. But go ahead. Well, the the Chargers are actually giving points to the Eagles. It's a minus 2 spread for the Chargers, but I think that's asinine and insane. I I like the Eagles to win the game outright. So I'll all day take the Eagles and the points. But, Ed, Ed, I have a question for you. Have any of the players talked yeah. about Is it going to be weird to play in front of 25,000 fans when you're used to playing in front of 70,000? Is that is that going to be a weird thing for the Philadelphia players to experience playing in front of that few of fans in an NFL football game? 
Yeah, and you know, half of them are going to be Eagles fans. Um, so, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's a very small venue, and that's where other teams have played. And Peterson talked to Andy Reid, the Kansas City coach, about you know, because Kansas City went out there this year, and he talked about it, and he said it is kind of a strange environment. Um, but you know, and the bottom line is, is you have to just kind of block that out and play for your teammates and play for yourself and uh, and try to get a win, no matter what the atmosphere is. But it is going to kind of be you know, probably 40 to 50% Eagles fans in there. So it's going to almost feel like a home game too. Uh, the only difference is the Eagles are flying out there on Saturday and, you know, they have to adjust to the time change and all that. You know, those teams that go east to west tend to struggle a little bit. Same thing, teams going west to east. So, um, and the Eagles are banged up. You know, they're leaving their best pass rusher back in Philadelphia. Fletcher Cox is going to miss his first uh, game. He, he had played in 67 straight, but he's got a calf injury. He will not play. That's going to affect their pass rush. And then we'll see how the Eagles' offensive line holds up. You know, San Diego can pressure the passer with the best of them, with Melvin Ingram, uh, you know, Joey Bosa. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for the Eagles up front, but the, the home field will not be an, uh, an important part of this game for the Chargers. It's their, the Chargers will be playing at home for the last time. The next five of their seven games are on the road. So, I think they're going to try to want to leave a mark in front of their own home fans, however many that is, and, and play tough. I just don't think they'll have enough, and I think the Eagles do win kind of a close game. I think the line's about right. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a field goal game. Maybe Elliott wins with another 61-yard field goal. Who knows? But I think it's going to be that kind of game. I think it's going to be high scoring. But I think the Eagles will find a way to win it late. A couple more games I want to get to. Obviously, the Colts and, and Seattle being one. But before we do that, San Francisco 49ers versus the Arizona Cardinals. Um, uh, Rick, uh, the spread is seven on that. I don't know what happened with the 49ers last week. Uh, uh, I think uh, Carson Palmer's on the decline, and he's taking this team with him. I'll take the points and check out San Fran for another another week. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Rick? Yeah, I actually like San Fran in this game. So uh, I, I think you're right about Carson Palmer. I think it's time for Arizona to start looking at a, a, another another quarterback here, draft or free agent, just something at the end of the, at the year. I mean, that could tell you all you know tell you more about that than I could. But defensively, they're still pretty good. Uh, you know, David Johnson's out. What it Ed, is he out for the year? Is that the thing with David Johnson? Yeah, he's. I think he's eligible to come off the IR should he heal, but it wouldn't be till the final quarter of the season. And by that, it's probably okay. be too late for Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Mo, San, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I was just gonna. Say, I, I actually like San Fran in this game, so that's all I was gonna say. <laughs> Mo, Forty uh, ers at the Cardinals. Uh, what are your thoughts? Forty ers uh, get a win, and because they're going to get a loss next week at Indianapolis uh, when we unveil the Peyton Manning statue. Woo! Go ahead, Mo. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, a lot of times you, you want to not get uh, you want to not get uh, too jacked up on what you saw the week before when you're placing a bet. But you know, the Niners' offense against the Rams looked good, and you know, the Rams are a pretty good defensive team. Uh, it, it, the Cardinals are pretty good defensively. Will the offense be able to break out? Will they find somebody to replace uh, David Johnson and, and those critical yards and carries at, at running back? Uh, you know, but the Niners' defense it isn't it isn't a slouch by any means. I, I actually put money on this game uh, Thursday uh, on the uh, on the Niners. I took the Niners and took the points, and uh, just like Rick said, why, why not? You know, it seems like a, uh, a a game that could could be close. Even if San Francisco doesn't win the game, I think that they cover the seven. Guys, now we got to get to the game. Of course, we're all uh, we say we all. I, I include me in that, but I know that. Uh, uh, as a as a consensus here, we would say we're Colts fans. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was the Cleveland Browns, for God's sake. And, yeah, sure, Jacoby Brissett did all of that. 
He's not our quarterback. Andrew Luck is our quarterback. Great backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett is. I've seen a lot of good stuff with him. You know, he, he just keeps getting better. Uh, last time we played Seattle, Mo, uh, T.Y. Hilton just basically embarrassed uh, uh, Sherman. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, we had Luck at that time. This is a, a hostile environment. It's the first hostile, if you want to call it, because I wouldn't say that the Rams was much of a hostile environment, but certainly this is a hostile environment. Uh, and J- Jacoby Brissett's never seen that. And I think, you know, one of the things is that, that, that hurt us in the Arizona game is that he really buckled under pressure in that overtime. I don't want the, the, the I, I, as much as I would like to say, yes. Um, go team, go! I, I believe blue all the way, and I'm going to be rooting for them, and and I hope they win. But in reality, uh, a reality check here, real bill is uh, that uh, it was just the Browns last week, and the Seahawks won't let that happen at home. And unfortunately, I think we have to stomach the huge spread here, which is at 13. Well, I mean, the question is, which Seahawks offense shows up? The anemic one from the first couple of weeks or the one that we saw last week? You know, it uh, it hasn't been a great start to the year for the Seahawks, uh, you know, offensively. So uh, we saw them score points last week, and the Colts' defense is not great by any stretch of imagination. Uh, so that's the scary part of it. I, I think the Colts could probably hang on and cover the 13-point spread. Uh, but like you said with Jacoby Brissett, this is a, a very hostile place to play, and maybe one of the most hostile in all of football, and it's something he hasn't experienced. Uh, but, you know, can he do enough and, and move around enough to keep this uh, defense guessing? The the Colts have the possibility for a running game, like we saw work last week against the uh, the Seahawks and open up the passing lanes. Uh, but will that offensive line continue to play and, and give uh, Brissett time to make those decisions to throw the football and to uh, and to move around and run the football? And can we get a, a decent game from Frank Gore? Uh, you know, a place like that, running the football is going to be important when it's that loud. Uh, the Colts are going to have to cut down on mistakes in order to play to win this football game here. I don't think they win the game, but I think they cover the point spread. I like the Colts plus 13, but I think Seattle ultimately wins the football game. And to give you an idea of how they prepped for this game, Chuck Pagano brought into the Colts complex this week huge concert-type speakers. I mean, the kind you would see at a rock concert and put them all around the field. And uh, blared. uh Music, Blared fans, Blared tried to mimic what they're going to feel like at the uh, at the uh, Seattle uh, Stadium. So much they went to so much preparation. They had to get special permits because it's in a the Colts complex is kind of in a residential area. They had to get special permits. And Chuck Pagano issued a press release saying this is going to happen. I know a lot of you might work at night or whatever, but this has got to happen. So if you were anywhere near the Colts complex, they practiced outside and they practiced with loud concert speakers. Uh, everything's going to be on, on the silent count. Are we overreacting to this hostile environment that Seattle's about to bring our way? No, no, not at all. You, you know, you, you can bring 25 marching bands into a, you know, into an indoor facility, and it won't, you know it won't be enough to replicate the noise. I've been in that stadium. I've covered the Eagles games in that stadium last year, uh, and and you can actually feel in the press box, you can feel it shaking sometimes. It's it's that wow. loud. Um, and, and the Eagles did everything on their silent count. They had a couple false starts uh, in the game. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of typical. Uh, you know, I think it can count on a couple of those, uh, you know, with the Colts Sunday night. Um, 
you know, it, it is an interesting point spread. I'm kind of with Mo. I think the Colts can cover, but I think to do it, they're going to have to run the ball. And Mo did a great job covering, uh, you know, all the bases there. You know, I think Seattle's defense, surprisingly, has given up a 100-yard uh, runner in back-to-back games, uh, which is unheard of. You know, they acquired Sheldon Richardson from the Jets. You thought that that would fortify some of the middle. But, you know, if the, if the Colts can open up some holes for Frank Gore to get through, you know, commit to that running game, which is something I think you need to do in a loud environment. You try to keep it as simple as you can, and then maybe open up some throwing lanes, like Mo said, to get it to T.Y. Hilton, who's one of the top receivers in the game, you know, one of the leading receivers after uh, these first few weeks in the game. So, uh, But to be able to do that, I think you're going to have to soften up that defense of the, of the Seahawks by running the ball, and they're going to have to commit to it. There's going to be plays where they're going to lose yards on the ground, but you have to be strong and you have to commit to it. Uh, and you have to control the clock. You have to pick up some first downs and keep Seattle's offense off the field, which I think the Colts can do. Um, but that noise thing is just, it's unbelievable. If you ever get a chance to see a game out there, it's just a lot of fun. It's loud as can be. And, you know, you come out of there with a headache afterward. It's that loud. That would entail, entail going to Seattle. Hippies? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful city. I don't know if you've been there. It's a great, oh, yeah, beautiful city. No, I never have. I, I, I've heard that, yeah. that it was. Real, real, real quickly, uh, Ed, here's, here's the thing. Do you think that the Colts are facing another uh, Rams type of embarrassment situation? But also, if, if, if T.Y. Hilton, you know, they're going to be all over T.Y. Hilton. Sherman's going to be all in his face. We saw last week what Tennessee can do to Sherman. They almost got him kicked out of the game. Did the Colts learn anything from that, or did Sherman learn anything from that? You think they can push his buttons hard enough to uh, to push his buttons hard enough? Yeah, you know, Sherman's been in this game a long time, and he hasn't learned anything. I mean, he still plays the game with an edge. He's still pretty hot-headed, and um, I, I suppose you could. I wouldn't count on that, though. Nobody's going to get ejected and, uh, you know, I think Sherman will be fine and you're just going to have to find a way to deal with them. And I hope you're not staring at one of those games uh, that, that Colts played in L.A. a couple weeks ago or, uh, against the Chargers because, you know, they're no fun. And this is a spotlight game and it's Sunday night football and you want to come out and you want to have a, a good game, a competitive game. You want to treat the fans on, that are watching, uh, you know, across the country on TV to a good game. So you hope that the Colts have gotten better from that week one destruction and, uh, you know, with Brissett, that gives him a little bit of stability at the quarterback spot. Probably so. He is a backup quarterback. And Andrew Luck, I guess, was supposed to practice this week. I'm not sure he, he has, but he is closer to getting back. So if Brissett can kind of somehow find a way to hold the fort and his offensive teammates too, then, you know, maybe uh, Indianapolis can play Seattle tough and, and, and put themselves in a good position for when Luck does finally return. Well, absolutely, and then you know, in our favor, we've got San Francisco uh, next week, and you know, they've got to win that game because that's the unveiling of the Peyton Manning statue. We're, we're all <laughs> geared up for that. Tony Dungy's back in town, and everything. Uh, final word to you, Rick Riggin, uh, Indianapolis Colts versus the Seattle Seahawks. What are your thoughts, sir? Ha 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 ha! That's a nice try because the actual best game of the weekend is Lions Vikings, and I do believe <laughs> both teams have really good defenses. Vikings the better running game, but the Lions by far with the best quarterback. As a matter of Sam Bradford's playing for the Vikings or not, uh, I do think the Lions get a hard-fought close win in this one. They should be 3-0 because they really did beat the Falcons last week, but I'm taking the Lions in this one. Oh, and my people on Twitter, uh, where, where are you guys at? Usually I get a couple trolls this time of year, 
you know, because of things I've said on this show. And I've got nothing this season so far. So please come see me on Twitter, at Rick and underscore Rick. And Lions, Lions and Irish this weekend. <laughs> we'll send you one of those little uh, troll dolls, uh, uh, Rick. Right. And I hope the Lions – I hope the Lions win because uh, 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 Jim Caldwell just got a undeserving coaching extension, in my opinion. But that's either here or there. That's my opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, guys, uh, let, let's get the, the final uh, thoughts. Uh, where can people find your work and your masterpieces? Mo, what are you and uh, Mr. Elvis working on for the week? Well, uh, we're going to figure out how to have a uh, a civil union so we can be joined at the hip forever. No, uh, you know, it's uh, hopefully I'm hoping it, it just it, it, we get good football this weekend because I'm so so damn tired of talking about the uh, the national anthem and stuff that happens pregame. I just want to talk about football this week, so I hope we get some good games and it dies down some. I'm I'm, I'm sick of that. It'll be interesting to see what other shoes drop in uh, college basketball. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Mo Radio Show. Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor. Uh, where can people find you or troll you or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hit me up on Twitter, at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and uh, you can throw anything you want my way, and I'll get back to you. I, I will say I'm looking forward to the Monday night game, too, one we didn't touch on the Redskins and the Chiefs. I think that's going to be a good game, uh, fun game to watch. I like the way the Chiefs play, and the Redskins, after losing to the Eagles week one, uh, they actually look like a pretty good team, so that was a good win for the Eagles. But that, that to me, is a, is a real nice game to watch Monday night. All right, Ed, you have yourself a good week. We'll talk with you next week, and I'm sure we'll be talking on Twitter and on text uh, in, in the interim. You got it, guys. Thanks a lot. Rick, Rick, Thanks, Rick. Man. See you. See ya. Yeah, at Rick and underscore Rick. So, uh, yeah, come find me. Come troll me. I like it. I love the interaction. So, any, any questions you got, anything, uh, just uh, at Rick and underscore Rick on Twitter. Thanks, Rick. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us. We are out of here. Uh, I know we went a little over today on what because uh, of everything that we had to talk about. My only hope is, guys, let's get back to playing football. Let's get back to, to just enjoying the sport. And, you know, I, I, I applaud the FBI for doing what needed to be done. I'm glad we got uh, some good discussion in, in that. Thanks to Matt Hicks, 1070 The Fan. Uh, thanks to uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, thanks to Walt Ferber, ESPN3, WITZ down in Jasper. Rick Riggin, Ed Kratz from Philadelphia, our official NFL contributor, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. Remember, don't drink a drive. It ain't cool. My name's Tom Mark was El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.